to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet Radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 Three six seven five. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is common sense. emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, you're likely to find chaos and plenty of empty shelves. So how do you avoid this? Well, it's simple. You use today to make a plan to prepare for things that may happen. It's a hurricane, earthquake, blizzard, or even social unrest, especially in today's political environment. The practical place to start is by storing up food in your home. And I use my Patriot supply for my food storage. If you don't have an emergency food supply, it's time to do so. Here's a great item that makes it really simple. A two-week food kit that comes in a rugged tote. And it's only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. This food kit includes breakfast, lunch, and dinners that will last up to 25 years on your storage shelves. So order now and prepare yourself, and then rest easy. So it's very simple. Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsouthernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. 
Well, if you want to insist, you can still go to 888-441-7290 or go to my website, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Be prepared. And welcome back to another exciting adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, SHR Media, uh, Global Internet Radio, and half a dozen other different places. I don't even know where the heck we are. Anyway, I'm your hostess with the least most is the radio chick, Annie. And today, Curtis is not with us. He's doing a book signing. So I have the one, the only, Mamma Mia, no Sharia, my Guido, my Vito Esposito. Good afternoon, Vito. Welcome aboard. Good afternoon, our deplorable radio chick. How are you? <laughs> Great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. We got ourselves an absolutely exciting show today. Uh, we have some new guests and some repeat guests. Uh, we have Amit Sandru. He actually escaped communism out of Romania and he has a very exciting story he has written I don't know how many books he's got a couple of sci-fi series as well as some uh, a book with his biography telling how he escaped communism but he's got a brand new one out and let me make sure I don't screw the title of this one up um I know I'm going to do that. It's called Freedom Trumps Socialism, How the Democratic Party is Using Hitler's Playbook to Make America Socialist. And I've been reading that book, and oh, my goodness. (laughs) Holy cow. This guy can write. Not only does he write, he's an artist. He is a composer. He is an engineer. He is a man about town. His escape from communism just made this flower, this bush, Blossom. Unbelievable. Uh, We also have Michael Letts, a fellow law enforcement officer, and he's going around and he created a 501c3. And in today's day and age, I don't understand why any law enforcement agency does not provide their officers with bulletproof vests, but they don't. So he started off a uh, 501c3 called Invest USA to help get law enforcement vests. I mean, that is an absolute disgrace. So we're going to be talking to him about that. And then we have someone you may know, Vito, because she's from your area, Sally Gillis. Um, she's a member of the Florida Republican Assembly Charter, uh, the Republican Conservatives for Ormond Beach, which is a beautiful area. Uh, I drove down the beach as well as down Daytona Beach when you could still drive on the beach. Um, she's also the chair of this year's Ronald Reagan dinner being held in um, Daytona Beach. Uh, and then, believe it or not, the wife of Sebastian Gorka, Catherine Gorka, who is a powerhouse in her own right, who served in the Trump uh, uh, administration. She's also with the Heritage Foundation. She serves as the director of the Fulner Institute Center for Civil Society and the American Dialogue. So we've got uh, some fantastic guests lined up and a lot to talk about. It's it's going to be great, Vito. It's going to be great. It is. What a what a lineup. I mean, you know, you've got a person who understands communism, understands the evils of it. Um, you've got Catherine Gorka. I mean, she's she talks about you know communism and Marxism that's infected, infested, 
and is uh, embedded in the United States uh, of America. And it's just, it, it's, it's great. It's, it, it, it'll be a great show. Thank you for it, having me. It will me be. Oh, it is my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. It's always fun to have you. Because I, I like someone that talks a little bit more than Curtis, <laughs> even though I cut him off every Who, now me? and then. <laughs> you know, we got a couple of goombas here. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, you know? with, some accent, with some northern accents, right? Yeah. Uh. Northern dialect, yeah. You, you can't get any better than a New York Guinea, you know? <laughs> we're, we're both lopsided. <laughs> Good thing you don't show us fucking with our hands. <laughs> well, no, no. See, I, I'm up on Facebook and 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 uh, uh, what the heck, uh, YouTube. So of course they see me. You know, of course I'm wearing red today. What what better color for an Italian, right? <laughs> red. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's the matter for you? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Forget about it. Anyway, uh, that said, on a more serious note, um, anyone that listens to our show knows that we do start off each and every show uh, with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to police officer uh, Gary Hibbs of the Chicago Heights Police Department in Illinois. His end of watch was Friday, March 12th of this year. And this dedication is coming from the Lansing Journal, written by Mary Compton. And she reads, Look up the definition of hero, and you would find if it's Chicago Heights Officer Gary Hibbs. Officer Hibbs passed away on March 12th after suffering a heart attack days before while on a domestic call. And I'm going to add a side note. It was more than a week before he answered the domestic call and the individual attacked him as he was trying to handcuff him and arrest him. And during the struggle, he collapsed. And it was more than a week later that he passed away. She further writes, Hundreds of police officers throughout the state of Illinois showed up to support their brother in blue as they escorted him to his final resting spot. The one thing that stands out with Gary has nothing to do with police work, said Chicago Heights Chief Tommy Rogers. It's what he did for the community. Gary was the best Santa every year, adds Chief Rogers. As one example, Officer Hibbs began playing Santa not only for his friends, family, and fellow police officer families, he became Santa for the city of Chicago Heights. Outside of being a policeman, and he loved being a policeman, what warmed his heart is for him to dress as Santa and do that for the kids, smiled Chief Rogers. He was always giving back and making people smile. I never heard Gary Hibbs tell anyone, no, he was the real-life Santa Claus. Before Gary was a police officer, he was a firefighter with the Holbrook Fire Department. He was also a carpenter and a bodybuilder. Taking part in his funeral was John Hogbeans Jr. 
He was an engineer with the Chicago Heights Fire Department. I met Gary when we were teenagers, said Hogdeen. We had been friends for a long time. He took me under his wing and taught me about weightlifting. He worked at Holbrook with his father, explained Hogdeen. The same month he became a police officer, I became a firefighter. Gary would come to the firehouse and play Santa for all of the Christmas parties. I'm here to remember Gary because regardless if you're a police or fire, we're all brothers in blue. We're all family. A running joke with his police co-workers was his love of food and how much of it he consumed. We would love to harass him and tell him to get out of the break room because you're eating too much in there, smiled Chief Rogers. We would also joke and tell him, get the jelly don't off your vest or wipe the pizza sauce on your chin. He would always laugh. That's who Gary was. He was the father figure to all of the police officers. They leaned on him because he was experienced. Best friend and former partner Mark Millen recalled his own food story with Officer Hibbs. If you know Gary, you know he liked to eat. On Sunday mornings, we would get together and get our donuts. Gary did not like coconut donuts. One time, I bought a coconut donut. He took it out of my hand and threw it on the roof. Gary and Mark were also neighbors. They shared a love of community. During Thanksgiving, me, Gary, Chief Rogers, and Mayor Gonzalez would give baskets of food and deliver them every year, explained Millen. No matter what, he always did for anyone. Gary loved to talk and loved the camaraderie of being with other police officers, Millen said. He always paid attention to detail and loved the people he worked with. I will miss all the laughs and adventures we went through. He was always there for me. When he gave you that embrace, you knew how much he was invested in that relationship. In his last communication with Gary, Millen sent his best friend a text of a monkey holding a banana. Because of his love for food, he had the nickname Magilla Gorilla. So he got that tattooed on his arm. Carrying my friend is the most honored thing I have ever done, Millen said. To be able to say goodbye to him, we're the closest ones to him, bringing him to his final resting place. Gary is looking down on us, and I know he is proud of us. Millen and seven other best best friends of Officer Hibbs carried his body to a beer cat. I'm sorry, a Bearcat vehicle. That was where Officer Hibbs felt most comfortable as he served in the SSERT team. Paul Bearers included Officer Curran Harms, Officer Steve Bukowski, Officer Kevin Groba, Officer Richard Wesolewski from Thornton, Officer Brian Smith, Officer Art Robles, and Sergeant Chris Mazik from Sauk Village. The honor guard stood at attention at Panazzo Funeral Home in Chicago Heights, 
while Chicago Heights police officers filed behind to honor their brother in blue. Officer Gary Hibbs, a SSERT vehicle, was used to transport Officer Hibbs' body to the funeral and to his final resting spot. The honor guard included Jill Knudsen from Will County Sheriff's Police, Matt Cervic, Wendell Thomas, and Jewel Johnson from Chicago Heights Fire Department, and Eric Ruski and Dan Struck from Will County. As Chicago Heights police officers filled into St. Kieran's Catholic Church in Chicago Heights, Police Chief Rogers expressed a concern for their emotional well-being. This has been overwhelming for my police officers, my command staff, my civilian staff, he explained. This is not a two-year veteran. This is a 25-year veteran that has served with dispatchers that have built relationships with Gary. It's a tragedy. The more an officer is here, he touches the heart. Rogers offered a few suggestions for community members who want to help heal the police department. Make or send simple cards, he said. Just a note saying, we love you, we thank you. Just a simple thank you for what you do makes us happy. When we get cards from a classroom, paper-made thank you cards, it makes our day. Every time a classroom does that, I make sure those cards get put up on the wall so our officers can see that. The last one to speak at the full-on officer's funeral mass was his son, Jimmy Hibbs, who looked up to his father from childhood on. There was never a dull moment with our dad when it came to hanging out and spending time with him and the men and women from the department, Jimmy said. However, Dad's life did not solely revolve around the police department. While it was a major component of his life, he was a father first. Dad would take my sister Esther and I with him everywhere if possible, with regards to police training or the gym, said Jimmy. Esther even rappelled down the 40, or was it the 60 building, with no problem, while I, on the other hand, took some coaxing. In closing, Jimmy shared a poem by Tecumseh that he and his dad spent discussing. It reads, So live your life that the fear of death can never enter your heart. Trouble no one about their religion. Respect others in their view and demand that they respect yours. Love your life, perfect your life, beauty, all of the things in your life. Seek to make your life long and with its purposes in the service of your people. Prepare a noble death song for the day when you go over the great divide. Always give a word or sign of salute when meeting or passing a friend, even a stranger when in a lonely place. Show respect to all people and grovel to none. When you arise in the morning, give thanks for the food and for the joy of living. 
if you see no reason for giving thanks, the fault lies only in yourself. Abuse no one and no thing. For abuse turns the wise ones to fools and robs the spirit of its vision. When it comes your time to die, be not like those whose hearts are filled with the fear of death, so that when their time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Sing your death song and die like a hero going home. Chicago Heights Chief Tommy Rogers announced the police department is retiring the badge number 102. No one will get star 102 again. Police officer Gary Hibbs, stand down. A job well done. We will take over from here. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Hibbs. It is also dedicated to all of the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate it to all of the brave men and women out there serving in our military. From the birth of this nation through today, especially those that are trying to help rescue those in Afghanistan and to those in our wonderful future. We dedicate this song by Todd Allen Herridan. My name is America. May God bless each and every one.
American. Actually, you can listen to all of his music by going to ToddAllenShow.com. Uh, um, I really have not had him back on the show the last couple of years, and I really do have to give him a phone call and apologize and get his butt back on here. Anyway, uh, welcome again. You're listening here to Southern Sense live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, iHeart. And here, oh, the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. And, of course, I'm the hostess with the least mostest today, the radio chick Annie, along with my guest co-host, Mama Mia Nosharia, the deplorable Guido Vito Esposito. <laughs> ciao, ciao. I'm losing. <laughs> I'm losing it today. I really am. My goodness. We, like, I'm, I'm waiting for our guests to call in, and we were uh, emailing each other back and forth last night, so I know he should be calling in very shortly. Uh, but uh, there is so much going on. And you know what? Joe Biden seems to be the gift that just keeps on giving. You know, this man cannot keep his foot out of his mouth. He opens about, his mouth uh, to change feet. <laughs> talk about a doddering idiot i said it the day he was elected i said it's elder abuse and every single day you see more and more of how much he's deteriorating right before our very eyes and just all you have to do is just look at his face his eyes alone there's a lack of alertness in there um it's almost as if they're pumping him up with i don't know what steroids or some sort of drugs to keep him going i don't i I would love to know what the hell is going on behind those White House doors, because whatever it is, it's not good. No, it's it's not good, and 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 I'll tell you, it's it's almost like it's intentional that they brought in this 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 feckless individual to to run things to stay, you know, stay myopic. Don't look to from side to side, 
um, so that any any of these daggers and swords that are coming at you in form of criticism, you just deflect. And and someone cannot be that ignorant to what's happening around him, and and it's one lie after another. Um, we we've heard about transparency. They they dogged President Trump for about transparency, which was which was absolutely a false and manufactured criticism. And this man Biden is everything the left accused President Trump of. And he is he has he lacks transparency. He lacks effectiveness. He is he is uninspiring. And he's frankly he's dumb. And it's just it. it Afghanistan exposed him to the nth degree. We already saw it with the southern border. We knew it with the southern border, um, and and the media allowed him to to the DNC media allowed him gave him a pass on that. There's no way you can give him a pass on Afghanistan. He blew it. And then what came out today, the revelations that came out last night about them knowing back in July that this was happening and an imminent collapse of Kabul was was uh, was a given. Yeah, you know, he's a liar. Yeah, sorry. Well, everyone everyone say, well, Trump did not, Trump land, gave all this to him, dropped it in his lap. No. That's BS. Trump yes, had BS. a fully complete contingency plan, fully worked out contingency plan. He had a withdrawal plan where we would not be caught with our pants down like right now. We would not have, we don't know how many Americans are stranded over there. Is it 10,000, 20,000, 40,000? No one can give us an accurate number. And I was hearing somewhere along the way, someone was saying, oh, it's only a couple hundred. Uh Uh-uh. No, it's not. How do you come up with the number 10, 20, and 40,000 and then break it down to only a couple hundred? That's BS. So we have all these Americans. Our, our citizens that are over there, either working as, in business or whatever, are civilian contractors that we contracted to help our military. And anyone that knows diddly squat knows the very first thing is you get the civilians out first. You get the diplomats and their staff out next. You get the contractors out third. You get the military out fourth then you get the rest of the military out, leaving a support staff behind. But they did it in the exact opposite manner. And this is an absolute disgrace. Anyway, we do have our guest in on the line. Let me unmute him and bring him on. And I know I am going to mess up his name because I can, talk, I can, I can pronounce a Latvian name, but I cannot pronounce a Romanian name. But I'm going to use his nickname, Mit Sandru. Is that correct, sir? Uh, that's correct, Mitz Sandru, and it's nothing right. difficult about Romanian names. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, at least I, I think so. At least I think so. How are you, Rani? I am doing fine. I have a guest co-host. He has his own show also on this network called um, Mamma Mia No Sharia on Global uh, Patriot Radio, Vito Esposito. I can ta- I can do an Italian name. I have no problems with that. <laughs> well, Romanian is uh, is very similar to Italian. Uh, now, Romanians, by the way, understand Italian, and and that's why I speak oh. Italian too. Ah, very nice. My ma- ah. <laughs> my grandmother would say, "Anu, she's a nice Italian boy. Leave him alone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, I pretended to be. Well, here in the United States, I pretended to be Italian. Nobody knew what Romania was, but Italy they did. 
So, <laughs> a few Italian words and uh, did the trick. <laughs> well, I know a couple of Italian words, but they're not good ones. <laughs> oh, of course. The bad words are always learned first. <laughs> oh, <I'm> true. <laughs> true story. But I have a funny story to tell because I used to be a cop in Brooklyn. And um, part of the precinct I was in, you had Korean you had Dominican, you had Puerto Rican, you had Mexican, you had black. And then there was one section that was Italian. And that was towards the area that the mafia controlled. And one in day Brooklyn. we get in Brooklyn, yeah. And so we, 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 we respond to this dis- domestic dispute. And there's this guy arguing with someone on the front lawn. And his mom is there yelling and blah, blah, blah. And I turn around, I walk up, and I said, Stuzzy, and tell him to shut up. And all of a sudden, his mom looks at me. She goes, you will listen to this officer. She a nice Italian girl. (laughs) 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 There's only one race. It's the human race. And once we understand that, we can all get along. Now, you have a very, very interesting background. You're also a prolific writer and artist. Uh, composer, uh, you have such a history and background. I don't know why Hollywood has not made a movie about you yet. But you I escaped about that communism. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know a couple of producers. Maybe I'll put you in touch. As a matter of fact, one happens to be, two of them happen to be Italian. <laughs> uh, oh man! But uh, you escaped communism. You grew up under it. You understood what it was. At a young age, you had a soldier actually fire their weapon at you, and you are here to tell us about your story. Give us a little background. Sure, sure. Uh, The story about uh, being fired by a soldier at Point Blank is when I was a kid, and uh, there were three of us uh, sitting around. The soldier who cleaned his Kalashnikov and loaded it up and, and fired it at me. And uh, they were blank bullets, by the way. So I, I survived that, that part without uh, any incident, except uh, I couldn't hear for the next five, ten minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, the dangerous part was when, uh, by the time I, became, I, I turned 18, I was so dissatisfied with the socialist life. And um, what happens in, in the... Re- you have two, two, two things going on in everybody's life. One is the propaganda, and the other one is the reality. And the same thing happens in the United States and all over the world. Propaganda tells us that Biden is the best president we could ever have. Reality shows what happens in Afghanistan. Okay? So the same thing on the socialism. Uh, propaganda is telling us that we live in the best world for the working people, and uh, in the capitalist, people are starving, uh, don't have jobs, are suffering. And reality came in slowly, surely, over the radio, pictures sent by relatives from abroad. And we look at those things and we see occasionally a movie uh, which they allow to show a movie from the West. And we look at those pictures and say, wait, wait a second, these people live so much better than we do. What's going on here? And it didn't take long for, by the time I was, uh, um, let's say, 15, 
the whole population was already knew and was dissatisfied what was going on. But they could not do anything about it because socialists can only exist as a state, as a police state. And the police keeps very uh, tight uh, um, control of the population. Um, and uh, the main thing they use, of course, is fear. Uh, arrest a few here and there, beat them up, take them to the police station, beat them up, and then release them. And after these people talk, everybody is going to be quiet. Nobody is going to vo raise their voices or say anything like that. So the entire population became extremely dissatisfied. Um, as a matter of fact, Romania uh, population stagnated because people had only one, uh, families had only one kid. I was the only kid in my family. And then Ceausescu, the, the tyrant dictator, decreed that there will be no more. Unfortunately, in Romania, the only birth control to the people were the um, uh, abortions. So he said no more abortions because he wants to force the population to grow. And then my sister was, was born later on. And uh, in this, so in other way, the, the, the state tells you what to do, even how many children to have or not to have in this, or to have in this case. So uh, it was such a gray and green, miserable life. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't say anything. Uh, under socialists, is a big difference between freedom and socialism. In a free country, you can do anything you want as long as, as it is not illegal. In a, com in a socialist, communist socialist country, you can do only what you are allowed to do. So, hello, you can hear me? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Yes. Yeah, go okay, ahead. Okay. Okay. Because I heard some beeps, so I, was, I wasn't sure what was going on. Oh, it's got to be on your end. I don't hear them. <laughs> uh, so here is the situation where, where uh, you have absolutely no freedom to do anything because if you take an initi the initiative to do anything that was not already pre-approved uh, by, the, by the Communist Party, by, in law, by whomever, you stand a chance to be arrested. And, and that's the reason why the economy doesn't go anywhere, stagnates, because nobody can take initiative to do anything. Besides, they cannot start any businesses in a socialist country because everything belongs to the state. The people work for the state, shop in the state, in, uh, uh, state's uh, stores, uh, obtain their food, their clothes. Everything they do is whatever the government decides to, to do for them. And uh, in... in in, because this is not a market-driven economy, shortages are abundant. Uh, anytime you saw a line uh, uh, in front of a store, you got into that line, and no matter what they sold, you buy it. Because you never <laughs> know when that stuff will occur. Even if you don't, didn't need it, you bought it, and then you, later on you, you bartered it with other stuff of necessities. So, uh, and guess one thing that I, I, can, I scratch my head. I don't understand why toilet paper is always in shortages. Toilet paper was always in shortages under socialism. Well, now, hmm. last year, when we had the pandemic, guess what was, what was the first thing? Yeah, toilet paper. The one thing. Yep. It, it's it's mind-boggling. I said, well, how come? Now, if people want to remember, just to have a taste of how socialism was, remember what happened in the spring of 2020. When the stores, uh, the shelves were empty, 
where people had to line up to be uh, let in the store to buy only so many of each item or whatever, that's socialism. That, that we have a, here in America, we had a taste of socialism during the pandemic of 2020. So, uh, the, you know, talking about the toilet paper, just as, as an anecdotal, uh, not, no, it's a real yeah. story, actually. In no. Venezuela, yeah. by the way, they don't, they don't have toilet paper. So this uh, um, um, writer, author, uh, you know, I know him, uh, we, we looked on, uh, we checked each other on Facebook. So he says, he's obviously liberal. He says, well, this is the reason why they have shortages in Venezuela. Look at the toilet paper. The toilet paper manufacturers in Venezuela sell their toilet paper outside Venezuela to Colombia, Panama, and other countries, not in Venezuela. And that's why they have shortages to undermine Maduro's uh, the government. Well, my reply was, well, the reason they're selling outside is because the retail prices of all the commodities are frozen in Venezuela. And these people mm -hmm. cannot sell their, their toilet paper to pay for, even for the price of the Pope to make the toilet paper. So to survive, they have to sell it outside the, Venezuela. But yep. nobody goes that far, and no journalist even goes that far. They only say, oh, here's the problem, those capitalists. Well, yeah. when you prohibit capitalists from making a profit, they'll find a way or they go out of business. And uh, so this is the, the kind of situation you have in, uh, in, in Romania. So uh, in Romania, by the way, was one of the worst socialist countries during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, well, Albania probably was, was worse than Romania, uh, but in, in Romania we also have this dictator, Ceausescu, who really was the equivalent of Stalin. Um, only Soviet Union during Stalin's times were worse than what Romania was experienced or the Romanian were experienced during the time of the 60s and, and, and throughout the uh, 80s until he finally was executed. Um, anyway, by the time I turned 18, uh, I, I was so fed up that I said, I, I got to get out of here. I, cannot, I, cannot, I couldn't stand it. Besides, I got in trouble uh, by organizing a, a mini revolt um, uh -oh. When they were taking us for uh, to dig uh, ditches, it was called voluntary patriotic voluntary work. Uh, yep. <laughs> at the beginning of school, yeah, for, um, yeah, for uh, for uh, two weeks they took us and they they had that do the work whatever whatever it took. In this case, we were digging uh, trenches for uh, a new new plant or something like that. They were going to build there. And the thing is that they put us to sleep in, uh, uh, in these barracks, and uh, some of them have broken windows. This is September, and the weather is cool, very cool in Romania in, during September. And uh, what happened, there were beds there, but no blankets. I mean, there were, were blankets, but not for all of us. So myself and other kids ended up sleeping all night without blankets. It was cold. So next morning, uh, I talked to another uh, colleague of mine. I said, you know, they don't give us blankets. I'm going to go home. The guy said, yeah, me too. So we talked to other kids, and we all agreed that, hey, we better get blankets or we're going to stop working. Um, my intent was not to stop working, you see. So what happened is that um, this other kid decided to speak for uh, all of us. Uh, by the way, I, 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 I expressed my opinion. I said, I was cold last night. If I don't get blanket, I'm going to go home. That's what I told mm -hmm. the, the, the teacher, which was, you know, was a, the, he was the physical ed teacher because they send the big guys to to control us so yep. i said uh, i'm gonna go home 
uh, and this guy says, yeah, we all agree that if we, if we uh, don't get blankets and better food, uh, we're going to stop working. Ah. Now, the operative work, uh, word in here was we. Socialists don't hate, hate the word we because that means is a, um, a group of people. United? Yep, united. united. Okay? They can take care of one person at a time, but a group, it's, it's, it's a threat for them. So this phys ed teacher started beating up this kid. And, and I mean, he broke his nose and, and so on and so forth. So guess what? We, we stepped back and we had no choice now. We had to go to work because they're going to beat us all. Uh, now, what happened, although I was the first one to speak to, to him, he didn't do anything to me because I only express my opinion as an individual, not as a group. If I would have said, my friends here and I were going to decide to stop working, I would have been beaten up. So mm-hmm. after that incident, when we returned back to school, of course, the secret police got involved. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a dossier was open on, on me. And basically, I was told that one more infraction like this, I would not be able to go to college. And college was the only way to have a better life in a, in a socialist country. So I, I was already was put on the blacklist. I was, blackballed. I was blackballed for not being able to go to college. And with that in mind, although I studied really hard, my, my grades were showing the effect of the persecution I was already experiencing. So that showed me that there is no future for me in this country with this kind of government. And uh, when I turned 18, uh, with another colleague of mine, uh, the two of us decide to escape. And when I say escape, it really, really, it is an escape. Socialist countries are, uh, resemble a, a um, concentration camp. The, mm-hmm. the borders are heavily patrolled. Uh, they have fences with barbed wires uh, in areas where uh, people are closer to the border. Uh, in the other areas, uh, the border, uh, all along the border, you have these tall watchtowers, about 50 feet tall, uh, where the border patrols uh, during the time observes the fields, not, not the outside <laughs> of Romania. They observe the inside of Romania to see whomever is approaching the border trying to get out illegally. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we decided, in spite of the, the, the difficulty to, to cross the border, um, that we're going to try to, to cross the border. Uh, and, and that was illegal. And uh, you wonder, why, why didn't we go and get for a, a passport to, you know, to leave the country? Well, you, they don't give you a passport. Mm-hmm. If I would have gone to the police and I said I want a passport, they would have uh, put me in jail. This passport is issued for specific reasons, and you have to also get, along with the passport, an exit visa. Anyone who left the United States, did they get an exit visa to leave the United States? In a free country, you don't get an exit visa. (laughs) Right. But under socialists, all the people are kept under control because if they don't, people will get out of that that hell. And um, so... We decided to, to, to take uh, our chances. Uh, people were shot at the border and killed. Uh, a friend of mine knew in his class other kids which tried to do that about uh, four, six months before I uh, tried to escape, and they were shot at the border. They were killed. 
So mm-hmm. it was that risk. Uh, the risk uh, was likely you don't get killed unless you run and, and they, they try to catch you and they, they don't, you don't stop. Most of the time they, they, they catch you and they throw you in jail after uh, severe beating. So they teach you a lesson. You know, torture and beating is, is a norm in, in a socialist country. Um, can I ask you a question, Mitch? Yeah. How, how do you, this is Vito, how, how do you equate what you lived under in Romania to what you're seeing in America today? Uh, <laughs> good question. Okay. Yes, it is a good question. Because politically and socially, we are already a socialist country. Okay? Okay. All right. Uh, economically, we are not. And uh, I'll give an explanation why not and where we're going to evolve. Uh, it's what I wrote in the uh, Trump, uh, uh, Freedom Trump Socialism. So whatever we hear on the, on, in the media, it is pure socialism. The, they're only one side of the story, and that is uh, the leftist part of the story. Very seldom you hear the, the, the part of the right wing. Of course, that's available on Fox and um, Newsmax and so on, uh, other uh, TV stations. But the majority, the mainstream media, it's all socialist. Um, now, also we have these um, uh, conservative talking radios, like this one, okay? Well, when I was in Romania, by the way, I was listening to uh, Radio Free Europe and Radio uh, Voice of America, and that was illegal. And uh, you better, you had to be careful who you told that what you listen on, on those radio stations, because you could be arrested. So here I am in America, and I'm telling my sister-in-law about Rush Limbaugh. And she looked at me the way an old communist back there would have looked at me at that time if I would have said, I'm listening to uh, Voice of America. She looked at me and said, Rush Limbaugh? And I felt that I was back in Romania. In other words, it's illegal to listen to a conservative radio. In her mind, it's, it's out of the question. Those are the evil people, the conservatives. But you see, this is part of the whole equation of how you indoctrinate and brainwash people. You instigate hate against the opposition. So who is the opposition? The conservatives, the Republicans, white people, heterosexuals, Christians, family-oriented, hardworking, paying taxes. Those are the fascists, the evil people, the domestic terrorists, right? That's how they describe mm. us, and that all their hate is, is against us, the conservatives, and the freedom-loving people. So what I see here is a, an assault on our freedom. There is a big difference what I experienced in, when I arrived in the United States in '72, and I saw what freedom was. I, was. I was dumbfounded. I saw a poster of Nixon sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I, I'm, I, was, I was appalled. I was, I was appalled. I said, this is the president of the United States for kind of light. I, I know that he's not God the way he was back in Romania, but I have some respect. But then I said, well, this is freedom. 
I guess everything goes under freedom. You can say, you can do anything you want. Okay? Now, yep. compared to those times, to today, it's, it's, it, the United States of the 70s and 80s does not, it, it does not compare with what we do today. And the United States of the 2000 does not compare what we do today. And all this was triggered because people finally had enough, and they finally came a champion who spoke what we thought, what we were thinking, what we were talking to our, among ourselves, uh, the more open-minded about our country, and here came Donald Trump. And that's right. why he got elected. People finally saw a non-politician who was speaking the truth, speaking what we believed in. Now, this really triggered uh, the neo-Marxists to go in high gear because they were seeing right here, it's nothing worse than a population that is fed up and then they have a leader. The leader was yeah. the problem. Okay? But, uh, so I, that's what accelerated I'm, I'm, all what we see today. But, but what we're seeing today is we don't have, well, we actually now are experiencing the brute force through groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Uh, we are seeing the, the brown shirts, the Nazi brown shirts, and they call themselves Antifa, anti-fascist. They are the fascists. They exactly. are the socialists. They are the communists. But exactly. we also are being bludgeoned by these intellectuals uh, that are saying, uh, stop being so white. You're privileged. Uh, they're, right. they're telling you, you're, you're not allowed to say certain things because you're going to trigger me. The very sight of the American flag triggers me. It's a symbol of slavery. No, actually, it's a symbol of freedom because it was that American flag that flew against the South to free the slaves. The exact right. They are changing everything to mean the exact opposite so what you know to be the truth no longer is their truth but you exactly. must adhere to their truth not the truth so they exactly. are twisting anything and this is what you talk about in your new book titled freedom trump's socialism how the democratic party is using hitler's playbook to make america socialist now i i was as i was reading the book i i I highlight, and then I print out the notes, and I've got this thick <laughs> printout of about 27 pages of notes, and the problem is, is your book is so good that just about every single page has a highlight or two, <laughs> and you, you. you break down everything so beautifully, and what we're seeing in today's society and you are so true that we are we are now more of a socialist nation politically than we are economically. Yeah. Yet yeah. it's creeping into our economics. The woke yes. companies like Coke. I mean, I freaked out when a friend of mine on Long Island sent a picture of him driving out to Jones Beach holding a brand new can of Coke he just opened up. And on the side, it said, be less white. Oh, God. That's outrageous. Uh, well, uh, it's not only outrageous, but it is what's going on. So, uh, first of all, um, the critical race theory is based on the um, Frankfurt critical theory uh, from the 1920s. 
And uh, in those times, these uh, uh, German uh, intellectuals, uh, professors, uh, uh, realized that there isn't uh, com- communist and, and uh, socialism does not take all over the world, is because the human people, the human nature, is not conducive to that, to that kind of nirvana. So people had to be uh, changed. Critical race theory is based on the critical theory of the Frankfurt, Frankfurt School. Actually, and basically, back even what the to critical, Marx. Yeah, what critical race theory came at the right moment because what happened is that with the neo Marxists could convince people to say that uh, socialism is better, but then how much better than we have it right now? Okay, there are not that many people that are poor in the United States, in spite of what we're told every day. Uh, a, a, a poor person, a poor person on welfare in the United States lives better than my family lived back in Romania when we were considered middle class. Okay? So you have to find somebody else to hate. And number two, uh, number two is to find, to appeal to the guilt of the people. And that's what the critical race theory was just a booster to the neo-Marxists. Now you have a theory which says the reason certain society, like the black society, cannot get ahead is because the Western civilization is designed against us. So therefore, it is made for the white people, but not made for anybody else. Well, mm-hmm. how come the Asians are doing better than the whites? Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's not important. So the whole point is that they want to change the entire culture of the of the country that uh, uh, to to obtain equity. Basic equity means that it doesn't matter how how good or bad you are, you all get paid the same thing. Socialism. That's what socialism is. And and this uh, 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 critical equity theory. After I read it, I said, this is the most uh, racist theory I have ever heard. If, if in, within that old theory you replace black with white, people will, will throw you in jail. I mean, they'll they come after you. FBI is going to come after you. But there's no problem to say that the white are the evil people, and, and the reason the blacks do not succeed is because of the white people. And, and then I, in my book I make a comparison between the four races, the Asian, the Latino, the black, and the whites, and even the Latinos, which majority of them are, are immigrants are doing better than the black society. And the thing about the black society is that all their leaders, very few of them, are trying to bring up the the black society to do do better. All their leaders are telling the blacks, you are a victim. You're never going to succeed. You better ask for more because that's the best you can get. And that's the problem right now because we have socialists interwined with racism. And... uh, you know, like the critical race theory. Uh, why is it taught by certain corporations? Here I have to go a little bit back to explain from uh, my book, uh, Hitler Was a Socialist. Well, to all your listeners, they all know that fascists and Nazis is a right-wing ideology. It is not. Right. Fascists and national socialists are socialists. It's a left-wing ideology. The reason mm-hmm. we consider them right-wing ideology because Joseph Stalin in 1928 told the yeah. world that every socialist party that is Marx, not Marxist-Leninist and controlled by Moscow 
is a right-wing uh, uh, ideology, and it's a fascist ideology. At that time, uh, Mussolini was his mo uh, best, his, was worst competition in, in those times. Hitler was not in power yet. But both National Socialists and fascists are based on Marxism. Mussolini was a Marxist uh, journalist before he formed the fascist party. Now, there is a difference between, and, and this is what I'm going to get to, uh, to, to the point where to people understand what's going on with companies like Coca-Cola, okay? There is a difference between uh, national socialism and uh, fascism. National, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Marxist socialism and, and fascism. Marxist socialism is based on taking all the wealth from the rich people under the control of the government, and of course, right. killing all the rich people, and anybody who stays uh, stands in their way. That's why Marxist socialists kill 200 million people worldwide. And uh, the kids in schools are not told that truth. So now, national socialists and fascists do not confiscate the wealth of the rich people. But that doesn't mean that the rich people can do what they want, as they would do in a free uh, capitalist society. They are under the strict control of the fascist party. They exactly. are ordered what to produce, how to produce it, and so on, at what price to sell it. Hitler had one of, their, of his points in his manifesto that 10% of the profits of a company should go to the workers. Socialism. So the, the, not only that the companies, the, the private industry is under the control of the fascist party, but these private companies have to conduct propaganda given to them by the fascist party. So what's happening today? Biden asking the uh, digital platform to uh, enforce the, the vaccine and uh, anybody which is anti-vaccine and any other thing about the, you know, the pandemic should be shut out, right? That is fascism. Exactly. When the corporations start carrying out the edict of the government, that is fascist. So don't look at fascists in the old way. Look at fascists in this way, where they are leftists, they are socialists. So this country is evolving and becoming, you see, neo-Marxists would love to make this country a socialist country and nationalize all the economy and, and do it exactly the way Soviet Union did, although it, it proved to be disastrous. They would love to do that, but they can't, because a lot of people have their retirement plan invested in the stock market. When, you, when mm -hmm. you nationalize the economy, economy my, my pension is going to be nationalized as well. So a lot of people are going to rise up. So they cannot do that. Now, on the other hand, here are the uh, industrialists, the capitalists, which, in my opinion, they're not really capitalists anymore. We are, uh, our economy is based on uh, global corporations, and these global corporations are not uh, managed by, by capitalists or entrepreneurs. They're managed by corporate bureaucrats. These people are employees. The only way they can make their money is from their salary and boosting the valuation of, that of their corporation. That's why they send their jobs outside the United States. They could care less about United States workers, as long as the evaluation goes up on the company so they can get as much bonus as possible. You know, steal all what you can, what you can. That's, that's, the, that's the concept of those people. Now, those people are also educated and realize that in the past, Marxists have killed them. 
So now what they're saying is, why, why fight them? Let's join them. Let's join them in the form of fascist socialism, where corporations and the political part work hand in hand so we can control the population, tell them what to do, do as we tell them. And at the same time, the political uh, section is going to let us continue our business, continue, continue our profits. But more uh, the, the, the businesses are being controlled like utilities, the way utilities, electrical and water and gas utilities operate today. That's how we're going to evolve. When the corporations are going to be allowed to make so much profit and no more, uh, to show the people that, uh, uh, you know, distribution of, of, uh, of, of wealth. And that is what's going on right now. That's what we're evolving toward, where uh, we don't have a champion anymore, except ourselves. No. If the private no, sector it, it, turns, turns fascist and the uh, political system turns, turns Marxist, we're screwed. Well, it, it's George... <laughs> It's George Orwell's 1984. It's Ayn Rand's well, yeah. Atlas Shrugged. It's all coming to be true. When you see a company like Nike, when you know that everything Nike manufactures is manufactured by slave labor in China, and yet yep. they get these black athletes to represent them, and they're paying these black athletes tons of bucks, and they completely ignore the fact that the company that they are now representing endorses slave labor and yet you tout black lives matter the hypocrisy that we see is absolutely stunning and the american public blissfully falls for it the, am i looking at this right or wrong of course is because what we are told majority of people listen to media and uh, uh, social, social, you know, social platforms and so on, and they really don't uh, try to dig in what's behind or what they're telling us now. Okay, I mean, how how um, look at the demonstrations last year about uh, from uh, Black Lives Matter. Every station was saying mostly peaceful demonstrators, and oh, behind the, the the reporter, buildings were on fire. Yes. You know, I, I give an example yes. in my book about uh, 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 Nora O'Donnell uh, saying that uh, uh, the insurance company paid uh, over a billion dollars in damages from the, from the demonstrations, which were mostly peaceful. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist to quit, but I said, wait, 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 thank wait, God, wait. they were mostly peaceful. They were being violent. God knows it would bankrupt this country. So they, yeah. they're lying through their teeth when they say that, and they think that people do not, do not see that. And I made a point in, in my book, uh, Freedom from Socialists, to observe the propaganda versus the reality, because that's what destroyed socialists in the end. <coughs> Excuse me. People were, yeah, uh, were tired of they, hearing uh, one thing and seeing the reality. Well, you know, I, I do have hope for this nation, because last night, some of the major lamestream, and you call it mainstream, uh, I call them lamestream media, were actually yep. starting to turn on the Biden, I call it O'Biden uh, administration, because they're actually seeing the damage he is doing. When you leave Americans behind enemy lines and you withdraw the, the military before you get the civilians to safety, we have a problem with that. 
I mean, there are people that would support the open border, but now they're seeing the diseases, leprosy, tuberculosis, rubella, along with COVID coming over the border from these people. And they're just being dumped in middle America, especially red states. People are starting to turn around and say, we got a problem here. And when you see a president that is a doddering fool, and I still say it's elder abuse, the fact that they've left him in office this long. They're, they're starting to question this. And I, I think the heart of America is awakening. Yes, they are. And, and here is the situation. Uh, you don't know what freedom is until you don't have it anymore. We're so used to live in a free country that we don't even bother to think that what we have. And the freedom will be apparent as it disappears. But even that part of it, not having freedom uh, um, and it disappears, will not uh, harm a lot of people. They, they're not going to think anything negatively about the, the socialists. What's going to make people think twice about socialism is as the misery and poverty is going to encroach, encroach on our country. Now, here is the point. We haven't seen yet. And right now we see what happens in Afghanistan, okay? But we haven't seen yet the aftermath of this open border policy. When all these people, and, and by the way, they're going to increase and increase. People now realize it's an open border. Come to America. Everybody can come to America. So when the, this country is going to be, the streets are going to be full of these uh, Im, Im, illegal immigrants, who, who, by the way, they're not uh, doctors and, uh, and uh, lawyers and engineers. They're manual laborers. People they're going to bring from Afghanistan, most of them are ship herders. What are they going to contribute to this country? Nothing. They have large family. They're going to make use of our social uh, benefits. And in a few years, the American people are going to realize what this I'm sorry for the office of the presidency, but this man is an idiot. Actually, this man has no character. He will do anything. So he will be remembered in history as the man who introduced critical race theory within the government and all these liberal uh, things he's trying to enforce. And, And he's going to blow up. He's not going to realize what damage he's doing to America. As a matter of fact, he may... Carter is going to look better than better and better every day with him in the White House. He does, he does. Yeah. So it, it, it it's going to have to come to a point. Now a lot of people which are conservatives and freedom lovers they already realize this. The problem is in in uh, uh, urban areas where the liberals and the leftists are concentrated. They'll have to have the bite of the consequences. Uh, the economic bite of the consequences of what Biden has done is going to bring now, besides all these other people at the south of the border, he's going to bring a big influx of Afghanistani. Now, it's fine to bring people that helped us and work for us, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to be killed if the Taliban gets, uh, um, Taliban gets uh, uh, hold of them. But not to bring just everybody who was a janitor in a, in a whatever, in a, in a, on a base. And the other thing is to say that they make no distinctions between Americans and, and Afghanistani. Give me a break. But no, that's what, no. what the, the, the leftists think. 
that we're not better than anybody else. We're one of the equals. No, we're not one of the equals. That's the reason America is American, because it's number one. So they're going to they're gonna screw up majorly. Uh, not, they already hmm. screwed up majorly. Uh, okay. They're going to show us in our economy and how people are going to think about it. Now, if in 22 uh, the Democrats do not lose control of the House, we're in deep trouble. In 24, yeah. if they, they, we, we don't uh, take control of the Congress and the President, we might as well... Um, pack it in. Pack it in or, or start building up on weapons and ammo. Because yeah. uh, American people are not, I'll have to say, they're not uh, Romanians. And the reason Romanians were very subdued and they were easily controlled. American people have uh, risen before and they rise again when they see what, what these uh, socialists are trying to do, these neo-Marxists are trying to do to our country. Well, it, it, we're in for a very, very rude awakening unless you know, the rest of the – but the, the whole thing is is that when we fought the Revolutionary War, only 10 percent of the people were the ones that were the revolutionaries. Uh, when we look at who serves in the military throughout our history, it's less than 10 percent of our society that volunteers – to go and defend this nation. It's going to be that 10% once again. Those of us that were the Tea Partiers that are going to have to rise up once again and declare our freedom and restore the republic. And that's what we're looking at. I think we're seeing the awakening of the heart of that 10%. We have enough people now. If we get lamestream media to turn around, if we complain enough, saying, we're turning you off. We're no longer watching you. Your audience is one-tenth of what Newsmax has. Even Fox News is being turned off. I'm sorry, I turned off Chris Wallace some six or seven years ago. Can't stand the man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's worse than his dad, and his dad was a gentleman. But, you know, the heart, the beating heart of America is arising. But these are things you address in your book. And one of the things that really struck me, and I've said this from day one, and you hit it right to the core, nationalism. Nationalism does not mean you are a racist. We are saying that we are Americans. We are not of any specific race, gender, color, creed. We are uniquely American. Because we believe in self-reliance. We believe in our freedom. We believe in our independence. We believe in limited government. We believe in protecting these values first. So it should be America first. And if we take care of ourselves, once we do that, we can then help the rest of the world. Not the other way around. We're not globalists. It does not mean we are racist. Because we welcome everyone into the fold, and we try to treat everyone equally. But human nature being what it is, that is not possible here on earth. There's only one place where that can truly happen, and that's in heaven. Because it sure as hell is not going to happen in hell. And hell is communism. Yes, that's right. Um, You see... I think there's going to be an awakening, a big awakening in this country. But first we're going to see uh, the lies that they've been, been, been being told and also the results of their bad, bad policy. 
The thing is that there are, my, I'd say in my estimate, 28 million people who are woke. And these people are educated people and are part of our economy, our culture, our society. Uh, they are in journalism. They are on the media. They are in Hollywood. They are in corporations. They are in, in uh, politics. For crying out loud, the Justice Department uh, and FBI are already woke. Now, uh, yeah. Biden is uh, using Commissar Austin to, uh, uh, to introduce the critical race theory into the military, to soften the military. So there is going to be on their side in case there is going to be bloody conflict. The reason they want to defund the police, the real reason they want to defund the police is not to defund the police is to starve the police until the people in the Delzo area are saying, oh, we need more police. But the local area says, no, we don't have any more money. But then the federals are going to step in and say, we have money. But because mm-hmm. the police are not uh, college educated, they went to police academy, they were not uh, brainwashed. So now they have, through the money the federals are going to insert into the police departments, that is going to come uh, uh, along with critical race theory. And in this way, they're going to be able to control, the federals are going to be able to control the local police. So in case of trouble, now they can control the local police as well, where now the local police will not shoot their neighbors in case they rise. When they, their uh, livelihood depends on the federal government, they might, be able to, they, may, they might do that. So everything I see is how the neo-Marxists are infiltrating the last two bastions of power, military and police. And yeah. right now that's what, well, that's what they're doing. So I when these are in the hands of the – yeah. I can and, tell you firsthand, they, they started infiltrating the police departments back in the 1980s when Clinton turned around and came out with the idea of federally funding community policing. Once those federal dollars went into local police departments, they then said, well, you have to abide by X, Y, Z. And that was the, the foot in the door. Once they got their foot in the door, and then they turned around and said, well, you know, you, you need to hire more minorities. You need to be eth- ethnically diverse. So you have to d- follow these federal guidelines for, holo- for hiring. And then you have to use a curve. So when you test, and if you have a white applicant, you have to bend the curve so that the minority scores higher than the white applicant. I missed two promotions to sergeant because of that curve. And then they turned around and said, well, you've got to, in order to get more minorities in, you've got to lower your standards. So where you may have required uh, military service and an honorable discharge or two years of college, we no longer require that. You can get someone straight out of high school. Oh, wait a minute. If they don't have a high school degree, well, help them get the GED, and then you can hire them. They have been lowering the standards over time. But because they could not weed out, especially in small departments, all of the conservatives, all of those that are law enforcement-minded, those that will follow the law and treat everyone equally, they said defund the police. Now, the good cops all leave. They said, why the heck am I going to still do this? Why am I putting my life on the line? Well, defunding didn't work. So what we're going to do is take away their immunity. So if they look at someone the the wrong way, they can now be sued, lose their pension, lose their home, become bankrupt, and then they force the last good cops out. 
They're yes. doing it. Yes. Yes. That's exactly their plan. Um, what I'd like to, to add is the fact that why do I call my book uh, Freedom uh, Trump Socialist and I say how the Democrat Party uh, is using Hitler's playbook? Because it didn't become apparent until earlier this year what they were doing, at least in my mind. Now, because I wrote the book Hitler Was a Socialist, I learned how Hitler came to power. And then I'm looking at what's going on in this country since 2020 until 2021, and I realize that the, all aspects what Hitler used to do, uh, starting with the indoctrination and the infiltration of the, of the government, then uh, the crisis. Hitler came to power because of the Great Depression. Okay, mm -hmm. so it is said that if you don't have a crisis, create one. Okay, well he didn't create right. it. The Great Depression was was created by whatever the reasons were, but he took advantage of those. And because of the Great Depression, he was able to obtain 44% uh, of the seats in, in Reichstag, and from that point on was a, just a, a springboard to to jump to to become the Führer and the dictator of Nazi Germany. Now, what was the crisis here in, in our country? That crisis was the pandemic of 2020. There you go. In my book, I, I claim, and I'm trying to prove the point, that the pandemic of 2020 was released intentionally to destroy Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the problem for the Democrats. The only way they could uh, get rid of him is to have a crisis on their hands where they can change the voting rules and go through this uh, vote by mail, and they were able to uh, uh, to eliminate Trump and put this uh, senile person in pers uh, in, uh, as a president. The, uh, so after that, uh, Hitler was in, in 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 power, but not complete power because he had to uh, have be in a coalition government. And the next thing he did was to. Uh, start an, another um, what he did he had Goering start the Reichstag fire and because of that fire which was uh, they accused the communist the Dutch communist uh, then uh, Hindenburg declared the Reichstag fire degree and then Hitler was giving unilateral uh, powers and with those powers he dissolved the, the uh, Reichstag and he became the the, the Führer the, the, the dictator well the Reichstag fire for us was January 6th, the Capitol riot. Capitol right. riot was not, is not an insurrection. If there would have been an insurrection, there would have been uh, people shot, killed, people arrested, uh, politicians take hostages and so on. Main uh, uh, news outlets would have been taken over by the insurgents and so on. Nothing like that happened. What happened is that Nancy Pelosi knew what was going to happen next day when, uh, when Trump is going to uh, speak. She knew before, and FBI knew before that, that there's going to be a lot of people in there, angry people, so they let it happen. Right. And not exactly. only that, but they had FBI specialists infiltrating the crowds to make sure that the crowds behave yep. as badly as possible. Now yep. that they have the, this situation... The, uh, all the media says uh, uh, insurgents, insurgents, nothing can go out after Donald Trump to prevent him from running again and eliminating any opposition, you know, from, yep. from speaking against the Democrats, you know, f using fear to subdue everybody who uh, says otherwise. And coming out to say 
that the patriots of this country are domestic terrorists, that the mm-hmm. biggest threat to us than Al-Qaeda and ISIS combined? This is incredible to say something like that about your own people. But that's what Biden exactly. said. And, and this is what all these parallels, what happened, how Hitler did it, and what happened here is, is parallel to what Hitler did. Now, the point is that uh, the Democrats have not achieved the point of total control yet, because uh, the Senate is 50-50, but they still have a majority there. So right now, in these two years, they're going to try as hard as possible to change the laws and make everything favorable for them to be reelected in 22 and then 24. And if that's well, the thing is that we got to hold our breath and hope that in 22 we're going to have majority in Congress, where now Biden can only operate by uh, executive uh, power, and, uh, and we'll take it then from there. Because uh, well, they're already, that's our, our they're only hope. Oh, well, they're already manipulating the recall election in California. They've come up with how Gavin Newsom is able to do that. He is altering the way in which elections are held in California yeah. bypassing the legislature, which is constitutionally illegal. But he's yeah. saying you can now download and print your ballot off your computer and mail it in. But if you do get a mail-in ballot... When you put the ballot back in the envelope, there's two little windows on the bottom that tells the person that picks up that envelope without having to open it whether or not you voted for recall or not. So those ballots can very easily just disappear. They just never reach their destination. I have no idea how that just happened. So they're already trying to rig the election in California. What will they do this November 2nd? It's an off-year election. There are some seats up to be turned over. Not a lot, but a handful enough to help us for 2022. Lord knows, if they're doing this in California, what are they doing throughout the rest of this nation? And we have to be ever so vigilant. California is a socialist republic. Uh, mm-hmm. The Democrats have supermajority in the in the Senate and the House of Representatives, um, and uh, Newsom can do that because the registration is not going to oppose him. So there is no one. Basically, he is he is uh, acting uh, as a dictator, and yep. if he uh, is not uh, recalled. Um, then he's going to continue to do what he's doing. But he's using exactly the same. Um, tricks were used in 2020 through these mailing ballots again because anybody can print on a, a, a mailing ballot sign it and send it in how do they know who this person is they're not going to verify yeah. it so that's the way by the way socialist comes to power uh, in, uh, in two countries and in two ways so the two countries that socialists can take power are the poor and ignorant or the prosperous and oblivious. That's us. I'm sorry to say that, but we're prosperous and oblivious, and we forget that what we're about to lose, we're going to lose our prosperity. The second thing, uh, socialists comes to power through revolution or through fraudulent elections. That's what happened to all the communist countries in Europe 
they were converted to communist socialists through fraudulent uh, elections. And here is what the Democrats are using again to come to power. That's the only way they can come to power. And they're going to eliminate the elections eventually, but in, in, in the meanwhile, uh, we have to be vigilant and, and not let them do that. Well, Mitt, you know what? I'm looking at the clock. I got my next guest in on the bullpen, and I'm, I just did not realize. When I told you I'm going to give you a full hour, I did not realize how fast this hour was going to go. Holy moly. Yeah, people can find you by putting in your last name, dot com, S-A-N-D-R-U, Sandru, Mitt Sandru. Your book is a fantastic read. I barely even got through half the notes I wrote, and that was only on the first six chapters, <laughs> much less <laughs> the rest of the book, which you tell people, you know, we, there is hope and how we can look for that. It's called Freedom Trumps Socialism, how the Democratic Party is using Hitler's playbook to make America socialist. But I would, you know what I would love to read is your book about how you escaped, titled Escape from Communism. That is one book I'm definitely looking forward to reading. And we've got to have you back on. There's just so much to talk about and how we can help preserve America, help bring back the republic and take it back from socialism. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and, you know, I, I'm an immigrant and I'm an American and I'm a patriot, and I'm a freedom lover. And patriot, I'm a nationalist, okay? I don't care. America is my country, and I want to keep it free, not enslaved by, by socialists. So we have to fight, do our best to eliminate, not do our best, we have to eliminate this menace. Otherwise, we're going to be sorry that we, we ever live. Our life is going to become the most miserable life that you ever experience, and all of us are going to live in fear that you never imagined that can be exercised by the government against the, their people. Well, You're right. God bless you. God bless you for the hard work. And Vito, <laughs> you talk like a, like a <laughs> like nonstop. <laughs> God bless you, and, and good luck on, on the book. And like I said, I want to read the other one, and I'm going to get you back on uh, in the near future. That sounds like Thank a plan? Thank you. I, it right, sounds God. like a plan. Thank you, and I appreciate the time you gave me. All right. All right. Take God care, bless. Thank you. All God right. Bless. Okay. Mitt Sandrew, check him out, S-A-N-D-R-U-Sandrew.com, and we'll bring up our next victim uh, in the bullpen. want to welcome to the show Michael Letts. He is uh, the creator and founder of a website called investusa.org. It's not about investing in the stock market. It's about investing, invest for our law enforcement officers. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing great, Annie. How are you? It's a beautiful day to be an American, isn't it, though? Yes, it is. It's sunny down in here in Buford. How is it up there in Columbia? It's actually sunny and humid. It's hot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's our summer here in South Carolina. I've got a guest co-host with me. He has his own radio show here on this network called Global Patriot Radio, Mamma Mia No Sharia, Vito Esposito. So, Vito, feel free to jump in. Um, i got to look at my notes to see where I want to start with you. I mean, uh, in this day and age, I can't believe in the 1980s, when I went into law enforcement, we initially had to buy our own vests. They were not issued at the time. But eventually, within about 
few months after graduating the police academy, NYPD said, well, this might help save lives and issued us vests. I can't believe almost 40 years later that our law enforcement officers still are not issued nationwide vests. I don't mean for the government to do this. I mean for local governments, the counties, the towns, you know, the states, giving you funds for the law enforcement to have vests. That is correct, Annie. In 1993, when we started the National Charities, a 501c3, Invest USA, 52% of law enforcement officers across the country had no protection at all. We've been able to get that down to 28%, but you figure we have roughly 1.2 to 1.3 sworn, uh, million sworn officers across the country. So you figure that's at least three to 400,000 officers still on the street without any vests. Now bear in mind that the criminal element has changed their tactics, and you know a concealable vest, which is probably what you were issued back at NYPD, goes on underneath your uniform, will stop a sidearm will not stop a rifle round. Criminals now are using AK-47s. They're using uh, high-powered rifles to ambush and to actually target our law enforcement. And so we had to develop new technology. It's called the active shooter vest, which will stop a rifle round an AK-47. Basically, it will stop almost anything that is out there at the moment. However, the downside is that technology has only been available for roughly a year, year and a half. So we currently have 92% of officers across the country who do not have active shooter vests. And we're losing officers at a greater rate than we've ever had in the history of law enforcement as of today. You know, um, I don't know if you noticed that uh, every show I do, I dedicate to a fallen hero, be they military, law enforcement, other first responders, or just outstanding American citizens that have done something to bring this nation forward. And and when I do that, it breaks my heart. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Eddie Burns, uh, who was a famous shooting in New York City. He was in my sister company in the police academy. He was a good friend of mine. And when I think about the loss of law enforcement or first responders due to the critical cr- criminal and critical element in our society, uh, because they're not given the equipment they need to function properly, it just angers me to no end. I mean, to be out there and to not have the tools to do your job properly or to be left there where you're semi-defenseless and you're out there to defend everyone else and you can't even defend yourself it's inexcusable i have served as a chaplain of the law enforcement and annie i have buried one too many and we just recently you know in uh decatur county georgia handed out a bunch of active shooter vests in honor of captain bibble this just happened three months ago he responded to a call uh and um the assailants were using rifles, AK-47. When he pulled up on the scene, the assailant turned around, shot at the car, went right through the door, right through his concealable vest, right through him, and right out the other side. Killed him instantly. But had he had on an active shooter vest, he'd be alive today. We have to stop this tragedy. We have to stop this madness. You know, what really gets me, though, is that 
um, when I was coming through, they told you, stand behind the door or if you can, use it for protection. Um, but those right. doors don't stop anything anymore. As you said, they're, they're using rounds that are that penetrate just about anything and everything. Um, but once well, these you, vests... The, i got a question, though. Do these vests now stop knives? Because at the time, they did not. Because I had someone come at, at me with a knife. The concealable vests still do not. You have to have a separate, different kind of vest for uh, a knife uh, because of the way they puncture wound enters. But the active shooter vests have titanium plates in them. So, yes, man, they'll stop anything. Wow. Now, the other thing that we used to have is that you know, people would not wear them because they were heavy and hot. And, you know, going on a foot pursuit, wearing one of those things, it, it takes a lot out of you. And the mopes you're chasing, they're laughing at you because you're weighed down with all of your equipment plus this vest. Are they more lightweight now? They definitely are. Let me, let me tell you, the concealable vests typically run five pounds per side. Of course, you have a front and back. That's roughly 10 pounds, 8 to 10 pounds. Active shooter vests are from 7 to 8 pounds, so that's 14, 15 pounds. Uh, a little bit heavier, but they'll stop anything out there. And here's the, the great part about Annie. The carriers of the concealable vests, I mean, the active shooter vests come in now, are so padded and so comfortable I've worn them for eight hours. You can't really tell you wearing it. Wow! It is hot. I will. Yeah, it is hot. I I remember tugging on them. (laughs) They are not hot. Ten, you're tugging at the neck of them all the time because they were hot. Um, So now, what do one of these things cost? Concealable vests run five to six hundred. Active shooter vests, we've been able to get the cost down to around seven, seven fifty. Of course, we're buying them wholesale because we're giving them all over the country. Typically, an agency would pay roughly around a thousand dollars at an officer. Wow! But what's wow. what's interesting is that it, it appears to be a, a long concerted effort over time to target and go after our law enforcement officers. You know, it started back about 15 years ago when they began to say our, our law enforcement officers were racist or racial, racial profiling and bad people. Of course, when the black officers refused to go along with that characterization, they had to change it to all officers who were bad. Then they decided to go after their equipment to make sure you didn't have what you needed to come home safely to their families. Then they carried it a step further to try to defund uh, law enforcement period. Agencies around the country, New York, uh, NYPD, Chicago, and others. And then they've come after now the issue of um, creating policies and procedures that are so restrictive that even the officers don't understand, so you're constantly second-guessing yourself. But of course, if you've been there before, Eddie, you know that's the way you lose your life when you have to second-guess your decision all the time. And oh, then yeah. they've gone from... They've gone from there to now they're issuing, I know it's a controversial uh, subject, but they're saying that if our officers don't have enough stress and issues to deal with, they're forcing them to accept a COVID-19 vaccine or be terminated. We have roughly 50% of officers across the country are saying now that if you force that mandate, not that we won't take it, but it should be our choice. If you force a mandate, we'll walk off the job. We'll... We're already stretched too thin to begin with. The, the blue line is starting to crack. It can't afford any more people walking off the job. 
Well, you know, I, 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 with my previous guest in Vito can attest, I went on this rant. You know, they started off uh, under Bubba Clinton with uh, federalizing, trying to federalize the police departments with community policing. They put that little carrot before the, the uh, mule and said, well, come on, you know, we, you follow this and we'll give you funds for community policing and you'll have better relations with your community and ease your policing. They opened the door, they put their foot in the door and they made a crack in it. After yes, that, yes. it was this, policy that policy and more and more funding now goes to local police departments uh, federal government has no business in local policing period you know I let agree. the local cops do their job then they turned around and said well now you have to be more diversified you've got to make your hiring practices more generous so they lowered standards and then Correct. over time you no longer needed either a military service with honorable discharge or two years of college. They've lowered those standards. And now they're getting people in that have were, were convicted of misdemeanors. Now, wait a minute. Right. You've got a criminal background and you now become a cop. They have been chipping away at us for decades. And now they started defund the police. And now... When you can't get rid of the the good cops with defund the police, they take away your immunity. And now all of a sudden, you look at someone the wrong way and you can get sued. There goes your pension. There goes your house. There goes the rest of your life. And it's no wonder why morale is so low and suicides within the law enforcement community is at a record high. That is correct. And, you know, we don't provide any kind of services, typically in most law enforcement agencies, to deal with PTSD or deal with the trauma. You know, it's the highest stress occupation in the country, and yet it's the one that's the least appreciated. We pay the least amount for. I'm amazed that we have any first responders at all. No, I I, I am too. I am absolutely amazed. And it, it wasn't until the term PTSD came out that I realized but at one point, yeah, I, I probably still do suffer from it, but I couldn't understand why at the, the slam of a door or any noise, I jump. And my husband used to walk in on me at the wrong time, and I'm like, <laughs> I go nuts. And it's like, wait, 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 yeah, honey, if you're going to walk into the room, make a noise so I can hear you approach. If you just suddenly appear, I'm going to freak out on you. <laughs> That, that's why this occupation has the highest divorce rate in the country because, you know, it is, I mean, it affects your outlook on life. There's no question. And the only reason they do it, and is because they view it as a calling. I tell you, the, 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 the guys and gals that are out there performing our first responder role truly do it out of love for the community. They're not doing it for the pay. You and I both know we don't pay them anything. Certainly not doing it for the hours. Certainly not doing it for the admiration because they're despised at the moment. They do it because they care about this country. They care about their community. They care about America. And the only way that we're going to keep that thin blue line from snapping, and I think it's fixing to snap, is that we as an American people must rally around our first responders and say, look, we've got your back. You're not in alone. We're going to go to the streets as well, and we're going to take our country back. And that's the only way it's going to happen. Well, here last year, we had a rally for 
you know, uh, back the blue. And I, I, I see probably coming soon across the nation more back the blue rallies. Um, here in the state of South Carolina, you know we back the blue. Uh, but now New York is now refunding the police. And you see in some of these other cities like Minneapolis, they're refunding the police. Uh, so I think our nation is turning that bend and saying, wait a minute. This lawlessness has got to stop. Yet, on the other hand, just recently, the state of Washington pulled some of the biggest bonehead legislative moves I have ever seen, where they're banding certain holds. The police are no longer allowed to use them. Uh, you have to restrict when and where you can use a canine. And heaven forbid you have a major riot like Black Lives Matter and Antifa recently in Seattle and other areas of the state of Washington, you cannot use tear gas until you get the highest ranking elected official. You're relying on an elected official to determine whether or not you can quell that riot with tear gas. Give me a break. What is happening here, Michael? That is a direct recipe for great tragedy. And it's coming, and I think the American public are fed up with it. You know, with what's just happened here, it shows you the Marxist, socialistic, democratic mindset. Just what happened in Afghanistan. Everything they touched, they screw up. Now Afghanistan is going to directly affect you and I because we have open borders. Uh, it is a terrorist uh, country now that will be deporting terrorism straight through our poorest borders. And I guess who will be the ones that will have to deal with the terrorists now on a day-to-day basis? It won't be the feds. It will be the local law enforcement. And we're prepared to do so right now. And it's just tragic what they're doing to across this country. And, and if the local law enforcement are no longer there, it's going to be the average American citizen. And heaven protect us if it comes down to that. Because unless you believe in God and guns, you're going to throw your hands up in the air and just give up. And that's what I, that's, I'm afraid of. Well, they, the statistics now show, the Department of Justice, DOJ statistics show that within three years, there will no longer be enough first responders to answer the 911 calls. So imagine how the American public is going to feel when they dial 911 and get a recording. Please leave your name, number, and state the case of your emergency, and we'll get back with you as soon as someone is available. That'll be a whole lot helpful when somebody's trying to kick in your door. <laughs> All by design. All b- no, Vito, go ahead All if you have a question for, for Michael. Please jump in. Um, yeah, Michael, this is Vito. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, are you getting any – is your organization getting any uh, – uh, requests from municipalities or or uh, cities to to purchase the um, uh, the active shooter vests or upgrade we are getting, to that. Yes, we are getting requests from all over the country. We're getting more requests every day than we could possibly manage. Interesting uh, for your listeners to note, it's not just coming from small municipalities. We're getting from LAPD, NYPD, Chicago. We're getting from all over the country asking for assistance, which is a reflection on how poor the leadership is in those areas that they can't even protect and take care of their own. That's sad. That's tragic. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the president of the NYPD PBA happens to be a friend of mine. 
Mickey and I came out of the same uh, command, and I rode with him a few times. Patty Lynch is doing a fantastic job. Uh, he's got the wit, wisdom, and and humor to handle. A, I, I wouldn't wish that position on anyone, whether you're Chicago PD, NYPD, L.A., or San Francisco. Those are some of the toughest toughest areas to be in today and you know you helping them with your your 501c3 investusa.org is a godsend to them i am sure now i understand 98 percent of the donations that go to your organization go directly to the vests less than two percent actually goes to the administration yeah we're an all-volunteer organization you know i mean you know i'm not i'm still law enforcement, not prior. I'm still law enforcement. Most of the volunteers across this country just believe in America's heroes. I, I do these rallies. We do uh, presentations. We do interviews. We do speeches all across the country. And quite frankly, I can't think of anybody better to ask our young people to look at as America's true heroes than our first responders because they've earned the well, time. I, I got to say, this this is a side story, but I was at the inauguration for Nikki Haley with my husband who passed away just this past June. Um, and when it was time for us to leave, uh, he had a little trouble walking. And some of the uh, troopers up there uh, helped, assisted me with getting him out of the auditorium and into the car. And I actually wrote a thank you, thanking the two troopers that gave me a hand. You guys up there in Columbia are doing a great job. i got to tell you that. Well, thank you. Thank you. you. You know, we have a TV show as well that we're airing now called Bulletproof. It's on Access TV. And Bulletproof highlights the stories of officers who've been saved by this. The part of the segment is it also highlights the, what I call the America's heroes' good deeds, because this happens on a daily basis. An officer pulls a vehicle whose kids are bouncing around in the backseat, you know, and they're supposed to, be, by law, be restrained. He'll go over and start talking to them and find out that the parents are unemployed. They can't afford it. Without saying a word, he'll uh, have his partner watch the scene. He'll drive over to Walmart and buy a couple car seats to bring them back and take care of those kids. That happens daily, folks. These yeah. are the kind of stories that America needs to hear. Instead of the what the media has been doing, trying to uh, politicize and victimize first responders and law enforcement that were horrible, bad people, when it just absolutely is not true. You have a bad apple everywhere in every occupation. But the vast majority of our first responders are angels. They're America's heroes, and they need to be given the respect that they deserve. Yeah, I, I, I've known some of them. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Vito. Well, I was just I was looking at the at the website of investusa.org, and uh, you list that you have bullet, free bulletproof vests and equipment for first responders in communities across America. What what is it do you do, you do for first responders um, as far as equipment goes? I'm glad you asked that, Vito. Uh, our main objective is active shooter vests, and so why do we use the word first responders? We've gotten requests from NYFD. Uh, you know, there uh, we get requests from fire agencies all across the country. In fact, as you recall the story, there were nine New York firefighters that were ambushed because they arrived at a scene before law enforcement did. There were two paramedics in Charleston who were killed uh, because they arrived on a scene before law enforcement got there. 
And so we now have EMS and fire agencies that are asking for active shooter vests to be placed on their trucks or on their vehicles. So should they get in that situation, they have the ability to protect themselves. That's awesome. Well, that is uh, absolutely awesome. Now, Michael, you had mentioned earlier about vaccinations, mandated vaccinations. Now, I had served at the time of the height of the AIDS outbreak, and we were carrying around personal protection equipment before it was politically correct, masks, gloves, um, alcohol wipes, things like that. But we did that voluntarily. Now, the enforcement of masks and vaccines on any citizen, much less first responders, is so un-American, so unconstitutional, and yet people are just meekly falling in line and, and not fighting it. What happened to the HIPAA Act? Where, where do you have the right to ask me if I've been vaccinated? Is that not in direct violation of the HIPAA Act? It is. And I mean, you know, you carry this up for other people kind of looking. I've been on, like I said, on various shows and some of the call-ins will say, well, how can you dare say that you're a public servant? You're supposed to have the community safety first. And my response is, well, let's look at the statistics. Dr. Robert Malone, who developed, who was part of the team that developed the COVID-19 vaccine for Pfizer and for Moderna, has now publicly come out and said, don't take the vaccine. The risks are far outweigh the benefits. You look at the CDC's own publicized statistics that show tens of thousands who have died from the vaccine, hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. who've got eerie illnesses, many of them serious illnesses who were fine before the vaccine. So it's not approved by the FDA. You're going to try to enforce something to jeopardize the health of our first responders and not give them the choice to make it on their own. That is un-American. That's unconstitutional. That is socialism. I lived in Mexico for 10 years of my younger life, and that is a socialistic country. I know what it's like to grow up in socialism, Marxism, and communism. That is the pinnacle of their philosophy. You have no rights. And God forbid that we should ever get to that point in this country. We're headed there fast, but I do believe the American public are waking up and saying enough is enough. I, I do believe so. You know, as a previous guest you know, was saying, but I, I do feel the heart of America. And only 10% of us fought the Revolutionary War. Only 10% of us served in the military. And it's going to be 10% of us that take back the republic. And that is the heart that is starting to beat once again. And I I feel the tide is going to change. And hopefully come November 2nd will be the start of the resuscitation. November 2nd is an off-year election, and we're paying attention. Everyone else thinks we're not. We are. Definitely. And I, I think your listeners can make a vital role and taking back this country. I tell them it's very simple. I have people frustrated all the time. How do we make a difference? I tell them to go to the website. I say the first place that they're going after is our first responders and our military. They're doing both. I say, so go to our website. Look how you can help contribute to provide the protective equipment they need. But you'll notice we also say on our website, what we really want you to do is just let our first responders know that you've got the back covered. It doesn't take but a few seconds you to throw up a hand while you're driving and wave to a first responder. You see them on the street, stop and shake their hand. Got your back. Thank you for your service. Appreciate what you do. 
You see them in a fast food restaurant, hey, I'll take their tap. Uh, little things, because morale has never been so low as it is now, and we have got to reinforce that thin blue line. We will have nothing but lawlessness and anarchy in this country, and once it collapses, we won't get it back. That's true. That is absolutely true. And i got to tell you a little funny story. Um, I was driving through uh, Port Royal one day at the start of the uh, pandemic, and I made my own hand sanitizer. And I, ahead of time, I had gotten gloves and masks and everything else, even though I cannot wear a mask. I'm a freak. Anyway, I saw a local uh, cop. As we, New York City, we call them country club cops. But uh, I rolled down the window. I stopped next to him. And I said, oh, officer, you got a second. And he's thinking, oh, God, what does this crazy woman want? And I turned around and I handed him some rubber gloves, some hand sanitizer, and I'm asking, I said, just in case you don't have any on you, take it. And the look on his face was complete shock. But having been there, you know, <laughs> but I, I've never had anyone do that to me. But, you know, it, it, that little moment of care to say thank you, um, thank you for serving. And when I did the dedication, the chief of police that did the uh, the eulogy said, you know what? The best thing you can do is send a thank you card. If you've got a, a schoolroom of kids, have them hand draw thank you cards for the cops. They That means a world to the cops. The, the, the way it can lift up their morale is so wonderful. That simple thank you is so important. And how better way to say thank you is to make a donation to investusa.org and send a note to the local precinct saying, in your honor, I made this dedication. Correct. Very much so. You know, a couple of quick things I'll let your uh, listeners know that Invest is involved with. We have a Bless the Best program. We are asking every house of worship to adopt a cop, provide the protective equipment that that officer needs the best, let them know that that, that officer is on their prayer list. Uh, not that they have to be a member there, but they just, that house of worship is there to back that officer day or night whenever their needs may be. We get every house of worship to do that. That would make a huge difference in the morale. We have a save, uh, a cop save a kid uh, program. Where we're asking our school resource officers. We're asking in our elementary schools, high schools, and middle schools that the children come and bring whatever they can afford, 10 cents, a penny, 50 cents, and provide and help actually outfit that officer that they have ownership and feel like they, they're a part of that officer's life. It will make a tremendous difference in how our young people view law enforcement instead of as an enemy, they view them as a friend. We are attempting to uh, make sure that we address this issue where there won't be enough officers down the road. We are starting the first public charter high school in the country for first responders. So that our young people graduate through the program after high school, they'll have their high school diploma, they'll have a two-year associate degree, and they will be certified as an EMS, firefighter, or a class three law enforcement officer, which is a jail officer. You understand that you have to be 21 to be a class one. But they can then walk across the aisle from graduation over to a local precinct, a local fire station, a local ambulance station, and get hired right on and, and go to work immediately. Those are the That's kind awesome. of programs. There are many more that we're doing, but it is time that America realize 
that the leftist agenda is to destroy our first responders first. Because if they can gain control and have a nationalized police force that they can control and utilize their power, they will take away whatever little bit of freedom we have left. We have to stop them, and we have to stop them now. This is our last line of defense. Well, I would add one more thing to that. One more thing I would add. If your local department has a Citizens Police Academy, sign up for it. Find out exactly what these men and women do and see firsthand what they experience. You know, even though I'm retired, retired back in 96, I went to the local one. P.J. Tanner here in Buford was running it. And I went. And from what I could see what they do today compared to what we were able to do back then, it's a world of difference. And it is so much wonderful work these men and women do that, you know, you don't know. You only see what the news puts out there, but you don't see what goes on behind the scenes. The everyday little things each and every one of these men and women do. And, you know, I, I tell people, remember, our first responders are first and foremost are human. They are America's heroes, but they're human. And that means they bleed the same as you. They feel the same as you. They deal with the stresses the same as you do. And quite frankly, when they feel like nobody's backing them and they're in the highest stress job, they feel like quitting just like you would. And we can't afford that. So you can do your part by reaching out today. Go to the website. Go to find a first responder on your way home this afternoon or over the weekend. Just let them know, hey, I've got your back. Appreciate you having mine. You'll be amazed mm-hmm. the difference of this community. Absolutely. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. They are our fathers, our mothers, our uncles, our cousins, our grandparents, our children, our sons and daughters. They are just the same as us. They put one foot in front of the other the same way we do. The only problem is, is they are the thin line between anarchy and law. And the line is getting stretched thinner and thinner every day. And now with this fiasco in Afghanistan, it's going to get a whole lot worse for us out there. And that's not even being discussed as of yet. But there's a number of factors we need to be doing now to prepare for that coming up here down the road. Well, Michael, if you head down here to Buford one day, just look me up. I will be glad to. We, uh, we're all over the state, course. we're all around the country, but Buford's a beautiful place, uh, close yep. to Hilton Head. No, not too close, please. I'm north of the broad. Don't don't, don't put that between me. (laughs) And you know what I mean. (laughs) I do. I know you guys will do. We appreciate very much your show and your willingness to help make a difference in these crucial days that we live in nowadays and rallying our community around having the knowledge to know it won't solve itself anymore, folks. You either get involved or we lose it. It's your choice. Absolutely. All right, Michael, thank you so much. Michael, let's check out his website, investusa.org. Michael, God bless you and hope to talk to you soon again. We'll look forward to it. Have a blessed day. You too. Take care, Michael. Check it out. Thank you. Michael, let's investusa.org. Now, I have a funny feeling this might be our next guest up in the queue. If it is, please press one so I know it is you. Um, I'm hoping. If she, if she does. Uh, yes, it is. Okay, because I saw her sitting there quietly. And let's welcome on to Sally Gills. Uh, Gillies. She's a member of the Florida Republican Assembly Charter, 
the Republican Conservatives of Ormond Beach Assembly, and she is the chair of this year's Ronald Reagan Dinner, going to be held October 30th. Good afternoon, Sally. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I so enjoyed listening to Michael and his enthusiasm for the very thinnest of blue lines with the heroes that take care of us every day. Well, I got to tell you, I got a guest co-host because Curtis is doing a book signing. Um, I think he's in Orlando over by you, Vito. So I have a guest co-host who has his own radio show, Mamma Mia No Sharia on Global Patriot Radio, Vito Esposito, my Guido. Guido. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, I hate Sally. to tell you this, but I, hi, Vito. I once had a just magnificent great, great Dane, and he had such a personality that I named him Guido. <laughs> 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 they like pizza. <laughs> hey, he liked everything. That was a problem. Well, the two of you should get along real well because the two of you have the best governor right now, uh, Ron you DeSantis. Got that right. Oh man! And uh, unfortunately, I, I, I get a kick because Joe Biden. Uh, tries to get into a pissing contest with uh, Ron DeSantis. And it, it's like you're bringing a paper napkin to a gunfight. There's no other know. way to it. Absolutely. It. And DeSantis does it in such a cool, quiet, slice the knife in real thin and cut the guts out. You know, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great I, description. <laughs> If I could take 49 clones of him, I mean, our, our oh, governor here, uh, McMaster's, uh, McMaster's is not too bad. You know, there's some things I just keep on questioning him about, but not too bad uh, as it stands. But, man, if we had DeSantis here, oh, forget about fantastic? it. Hey, I'm from Minnesota. How do, what do you think I have to deal with? <sighs> We were close to the we had we had Gilliam that was Gilliam that was right there and thank God that uh that didn't pan out. Holy cow. Yeah, no kidding. He wasn't exactly a straight up stand up guy. Why did you <laughs> say that? I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes you do, Vito, I can tell. <laughs> well you you got Three former Yankees. Vito, you were from New York originally, right? That's correct, yes. All right. So you got two former New Yorkers and now another someone from Michigan. And I love to say I may not have been born in the South, but I got here as soon as I could. And I'm sure you feel the same way. That's completely correct. Although for me it wasn't Michigan, it's Minnesota, land of the loony liberals, where they feel like burning the towns down is certainly okay with them. Oh, Minnesota, don't you know? <laughs> Johan Omar. Oh, yeah, oh, one, one of our finest. Yes, one of our finest. Thank God I escaped uh, before having to vote for her. <laughs> well, actually, I left New York just before Hillary Clinton was uh, sworn in as New York senator. I said, I will not live oh, in a dear. state. That has her as their senator. And actually, it was a week before Super Bowl Sunday. I was down here in South Carolina. Go Ravens. Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be worth taking a loss on your house just not to have to deal with her. 
allergies. <laughs> no, I, I, oh, but this is this is what's driving me crazy. We've got so many Yanks coming down here now, and they're bringing mm-hmm. the liberal thing with them. And I know why. Now. Why are they doing that? Yeah, you, know, you fled because of the taxes and everything else. So why are you coming here and voting for the very things you fled from? I don't understand that. How do, how do you well, deal with that, Sally? I, I can explain it. It's because they're not very smart. You know, <laughs> Democrats seem to have this idea that um, whatever they want is, is how it should be. But so far, I mean, I'm 75 years old. I haven't seen too many Democrats come up with really spectacular plans for the betterment of their cities, counties, states, and certainly the federal government. We had to lurch through Mr. Obama and Mr. Clinton and uh, several other people. I just don't think they're very smart, and I don't think they have good, solid ideas for what will make our country better. And that's all I want. I want to be better. Well, you know, I I think it's low-educated, poor, or I say poorly educated voters. Uh, They're so accustomed to social networks and getting their information in 140 characters or less. They no Mm -hmm. longer have the ability to critically think and look at something from both sides before you make a decision. People are not doing that. No, because they never hear both sides. All they hear is, is liberal garbage from all the TV networks, the newspapers, all the talking heads. It's just our side. And by the way, this is also our opinion, which journalists never used to do. They reported the facts, all the facts. Mm-hmm. Now they give you whatever they think, and you're supposed to swallow it whole. Well, I, oh. I think Walter Cronkite kind of like broke that because up to that point, all he did was the news. And then when he finally mm-hmm. broke the mold and gave his opinion on the Vietnam War, that opened the floodgates. Had he not totally. done that, we might still have true journalism. But we don't have well, true journalism anymore. No, we don't. But there are other, other things that uh, kind of are all wrapped up in that, and that is uh, teachers teaching uh, socialist garbage uh, from, from the 50s forward, not having any conversation about why God is so important in our lives and how dads make a big difference in a family. All that has been whittled away over the last 50, 60 years so that we're where we are now with no one to really lead us. It's all people like Joe Biden, a guy that was in Congress for 47 years, accomplished not one darn thing, and he's our president? You have to be a lunatic to vote for him. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're a well, Democrat. <laughs> we've got buyer's remorse coming out in yeah. full bloom. That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah, and now Camilla Harris, Queen, or as I call her, oh. Queen Camilla Mella, is in hiding. She's she's yeah. now the Do one in that? the basement hiding because uh, she oh, doesn't she's want out to today. own. Oh, she she's was out, out today. Yeah, she oh was uh, standing behind. She was standing um, next to the buffoon Biden uh, at a press conference they just had, and she was looking like she was a little bit bored and distracted. And um, but she was there. She they took her out from the basement wherever she was. So. Oh, I can't believe it. Well, I know she said something about uh, Afghanistan. Don't blame this garbage on me. Uh, but it's <laughs> squarely. 
squarely on her shoulders because several months before, she was the last, she admitted being the last person in the room advising crazy Uncle Joe about dropping the, um, the plans to leave, that Trump had put in place to leave Afghanistan. Um, I think yeah. just, it, it, I, I forgot what the plans were called now. It just went straight out of my mind. But Trump had a whole plan in place that if XYZ happens, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to leave it a mess that it is now. That was not what was supposed to happen. And he went and looked at it from all different angles and said, this is how we will do the withdrawal. But we're not going to leave it completely unstable. We're going to leave a small body there to help with the policing. But we're not going to do 100% abandonment. What Biden did was the opposite of what should have been done. Absolutely. I mean, he is just like, hey, I'm here now. I can do whatever I want. So I'm going to pick the dumbest thing I can think of and we'll do that. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very was, opinionated. <laughs> no, that's, that's all right. You know, you and I have reached the age that we're too old to put up with idiots. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think no, I we, don't, about we don't suffer fools. I'll tell you one one interesting thing that is a connection for me. My late husband was um, an Air Force major, retired, and flew for Pan Am for quite a long time. And he was in the last group of planes that flew out of Tehran after the Shah fell. And the chaos and everything that was going on there, but people weren't shooting at each other like like they are in Afghanistan. But the the Pan Am guys put on their uniforms because they did the people did respect the airlines. And so they were able to get out of their hotel and over to the airport and get onto their planes. And they hauled out. I mean, I don't know what the capacity is anymore. I don't remember of a 747, but they had at least 200 more people on than would normally be there. And they got our people out. Biden doesn't seem to understand that we have our people. They're called Americans. And the people that helped us are called friends. You don't just let them say, well, gee, you know, go to the airport and sign up. We'll get you out if we can no, what what we're seeing for those that put their lives on the line to help our troops is unforgivable, mm-hmm. unforgivable. Yeah. And yeah. right now, the Taliban is going door to door. If you collaborated about- with the Americans, you are beheaded. Yeah. And look at all the little girls being uh, sold off for uh, whatever they use them for. And all the, the young girls are back in school with the hijab and all the gown things that they have to wear. And uh, where, where are the feminists of America screaming their guts out that this could possibly happen to women? I don't know. Oh, there's such a disconnect. My body, yep. my choice. These women have no choice. Well, that's right. They, has, they have no choice. And there's also the forced abortions going on. Some of these women forced sterilizations, oh, forced sex enslavement. Uh, girls as young as 10, 12 being raped, being sold yes. uh, as brides. So, no. And the feminists and, and, in America have not stood up and said, you know, this is not right. We want this stopped. It, it's just like this giant force of, of women who 
got together and, and made feminism a huge thing in our country, whether you believe in it or not. And they're silent on something like this, which is the most horrific destruction of female mess that there is. The men flee uh, and leave the women behind. Yeah, including Kamala. She's been silent on this whole women's issue. Absolutely. Yes. Good point, Peter. And where's the Me Too movement? The Me Too movement with Kavanaugh. Oh, they all went absolute berserk. You know, Clarence Thomas, Me Too. Wait a minute. Where's the Me Too movement when these women are crying out saying, you have no idea what you're leaving us stuck in? And there's no help. And what is even worse is the U.K. is going into the center of cabal and helping to rescue people. And our troops are sitting on the sidelines clashing with the U.K. troops. I know. This is absolutely disgusting. And inexcusable. There's no excuse for this behavior. And to send 6,000 troops when they need 50,000, that would slow everything down. Yeah, you, right. You, you had 2,500 in there. You pull them out, and now you've got to bring 6,000 back in because of the mess mm-hmm. you created. And at this point, it is pure chaos. And what are you going to do? You're going to beg, plead, and, and say, please don't hurt anyone. Get, let us have safe passage. No. Americans that are trying well, to get to the, the airport... Taliban. Uh, we're hearing stories about Americans trying to get to the airport, and if you have an American passport, it's confiscated, and how many hostages do they already have? We don't know. Well, I bet they they don't know 20, how many Americans. They could have 15,000 American hostages, but it won't make any difference because Joe will just leave them there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, this, this, is, this is absolutely outrageous. Absolutely right. And so... I'm wondering if he created this crisis to take our eyes off the border because we still have the crisis on the border and it's even more porous. So if you, if the mainstream media, or I should say lamestream media is looking at Afghanistan, we're not looking at the border or Cuba. And look, that's right. Poor Cuba. I mean, there were, there were a, a couple of weeks ago a boatload of Cubans that came over here. Obama sent them back. Now, how presidential is that? You just you mean Biden? can you imagine if yeah if the if the people came across? <laughs> oh, did I say Obama? Well, same difference, you know. Same difference. We all know, yeah. yeah. We all know who's running the show anyway, so <laughs> certainly not Biden. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to settle down here. <laughs> I have no, a question no, about Florida politics. Uh, I have a question okay. about Florida politics for you. Um, I see that um, on the on the uh, on the uh, horizon that um, Charlie Christ, I'm sorry, Charlie Christ is is uh, <laughs> is babbling to come back into the uh, governor's race to challenge Governor DeSantis. Um, Excuse me, I have to get a gag. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you answered my question. Thank you. (laughs) No. Um, Isn't it something? Well, he's been just about, you know, if we had another five political parties, he'd be at least in one or two more (laughs) than Democrat or Republican. He doesn't seem to be able to make up his mind other than, I want to be the governor or whatever. 
He was no, not my favorite guy. He was a disaster well, as a governor. Oh, when he, especially terrible, he changed terrible. party in midstream and then joined. Yeah. Uh, he abandoned small business, then went down to uh, Fort Myers, if I remember correctly, to join a rally with then President uh, O'Biden uh, and um, Obama. Um, and uh, and that's when he made the transformation from the Republican Party, which he was handed a great state uh, by Gov- then Governor Jeb Bush, and he screwed it up. He screwed it up. and But, I mean, that's look at Biden. Biden was handed a great America by um, Mr. Trump, uh, my President Trump, and he screwed that up, and it took him less than, than in seven months. It's just that every single thing that he has touched has disintegrated beyond recognition. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I'm just curious. How, many, how has the population of Florida increased since DeSantis was governor because I hear story after story from people saying I'm going to Florida because of Ron DeSantis I know if they would just vote with us they could come all they want we have plenty of room although some cities kind of want to pave over everything Um, it's it's really strange that they do want to come here and I know that it's it's thousands and thousands of people we have 21.6 million people in Florida and I suppose by the end of the next couple of years, we'll probably have 24 million. But I'm just praying that they don't, that they understand why they left, what they didn't like, and now they're here, and we don't have those things. Don't screw it up. Mm. That should be a nice motto. But we used to have these bumper <laughs> stickers here in South Carolina. We don't give a damn how you did it up north. We got to get those bumper oh, stickers I love out again. That. Yeah, great idea. So, I can do that, I, I too. Think, I think I'm going to have them made up, you know, or just we don't give a damn how you did it up north. <laughs> yep. Don't I mess that. up I our that, state. Well, and that's what it's going to take. Uh, people come down yeah. here with these crazy ideas. And, well, Biden the other day decided that everybody deserved a 25% rise in the amount of food stamps they get. Who will ever go and get a job? Why bother? That's correct. You know, plus he increased, I think, unemployment by $300. So, again, we've got stores actually closing. Uh, there was a Burger yeah, King at one point that, that, that put a sign up saying, you know, we walked out. Uh, there was a Dollar General that just did the same thing. The manager and one clerk were the last two people. They put a sign on the door. Uh, We all walked out, sorry, temporarily closed. Uh, Businesses cannot staff themselves. You go to a local restaurant, uh, well, you better be willing to sit there for more than two hours for your meal because they cannot get staff in there. Now, some states are starting to cut those benefits off. Yeah, but look at how that has destroyed the the really the core business community is small businesses people all over the country have lost everything that they've worked for because of him right and the goofy way you cannot pay people to do nothing not only are you wrecking the businesses but you're destroying the integrity and decency of the human beings that you've suckered into this ridiculous situation no, and if anyone has ever been a landlord, oh God, what he did to the to the rental business, 
Um, yeah, you but know Ms. Taleb is it, uh, picking up rent. Yeah. So it, you're not paying rent for more than 18 months. You're getting yeah. all these government benefits for not working and staying home on your couch playing with your Game Boy or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you paying a rent? What well, and look at the poor and people we that hear, own those buildings. Yes, and they're, they're going to lose pay everything. The mortgage. They still have to pay sure, the mortgage. Sure, the bank is going to say, pay oh, the taxes. well. And the bank says, yeah. oh, well, Biden said you didn't have to do this, so you you can hold off paying us, too. Like, that's going to fly? And what does that do know. to us investing? Because now our pensions are invested in these banks that are losing money that's because right. the... The mortgages aren't being paid. The homeowner's insurance is not being paid. The taxes are not being paid. But wait a minute. If you don't pay the taxes, now that municipality can turn around and then auction your property off. So you lose everything. And here comes somebody from China and buys up all that property. That's what people aren't aware of. The Chinese, the Communist Party of China is heavily investing in rental properties. If there's a new subdivision or a new apartment complex that's going in, they rapidly buy it up before you, the American consumer, the American citizen, has a chance. So what are you doing? You are renting from the Chinese Communist Party. And people don't even know it. Now, they've also bought up, oh, I mean huge acreage of our farms throughout the country what's going to happen when they decide no we're not shipping corn this year you don't get any uh, beef this year it's you know the whole thing just like dominoes every little part of society is touched by what these people have done to us yeah you you go stupid or they're socialist or both you go you go to the grocery store you pick up you pick up a package of Smithfield Farms bacon or sausages. Guess what? Who, who owns Smithfield Farms? Yeah, he China. got it. Yeah. And that's not and the only business. No, no. And uh, they've, they've got their little fingers in just about every pie that you can possibly imagine. I'm, I'm terribly afraid of, of the electronics and the uh, computer things that they have stolen from us that will you know, really put them ahead of us no matter what we do. Um, if we don't have real leadership in the White House and in our in our uh, state governments. No, and until recently, Communist China was making the electronic parts for the F-35s. And, oh, gee oh, whiz, these, 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 these planes, suddenly the pilots were having problems with their oxygen. And they were starting to pass out inside the cockpits as they were flying. Oh, Gee, damn. you don't think that China had planned that? They have the technology for our F-35s. Yeah, they have that. so much of our technology. You know, we have become so reliant. You, you try to buy something. Go to Wally World or Walmart, really. I call it Wally yeah. World. And pick up yeah. any item and turn it over made in China. And yeah. we hear Black Lives really Matter. To find other things. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Yes, you order something on Amazon, and even Amazon is China. now no longer 
no longer telling you until that item comes in, you turn it over and you go, oh, crap. You just yeah. bought something from yeah. Communist China, probably made by slave labor. Well, so, because you know, all, they, all Amazon cares about is making money. Uh, they they yeah. don't even treat their own employees properly. It's all about money. And I, I just, again, going back to the last 50 years of the indoctrination that people have gotten on socialism and communism, uh, that's that's what that's all about. You make the money, you work, and, and we'll take it and, and tax you. Then we've got a whole bunch of people that aren't going to be working that we're going to support because they'll support us. And pretty soon, you will have nothing. Where do they think the money is going to come from after that? I, I haven't figured that out yet. No. And now that they're passing this one or $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, oh, holy dear. moly. Oh, no. I know. Yeah. And what are they building? Not roads and bridges. More social Human. programs and, and giveaway BS. That's yeah. bad they, they stuff for people that don't know that. Human. What the heck is human infrastructure? Will someone please explain to me exactly what human infrastructure is? I'm sorry. I'm a complete being. The only additional infrastructure in me is the shoulder that was replaced twice, the neck that was fused, and the knee that was replaced. That's the only additional infrastructure I have. But I don't see the federal government. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we have allowed our society to go so far overboard, it's time that... We all start waking up. And as I was talking to a previous guest, I think the heart of America is starting to beat again. Because if you get MSNBC or CNN starting to have bad broadcasts criticizing Biden and asking where is Queen Camilla Mella, I think, as they say, the worm is turning. Oh, let's (laughs) hope so. I'm just hoping that this is true, but we, oh, we need think, to take I this. I think it really back. is. Yep, people are people are tired of this, and uh, this the the Florida Republican Assembly that I belong to now. We left our local Republican Executive Committee. There are there are five six clubs in Volusia County. We left them because they uh, did a couple things we didn't like. You have to take a loyalty oath to the party every two years. Everybody has no problem doing that. But the local person decided that he would add a few extra things that were not even known about, let alone approved, by the state party. So we said no. And about, oh, close to 300 people just walked away from the Republican Executive Committee and the Republican Party formal and joined the Florida Republican Assembly. And the the Federated Republican Assembly is the one that supported Ronald Reagan back in the day. So we believe in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, in if you're going to raise money locally, excuse me, some of that money should, well, all the money should stay locally to support the candidate you picked. Not some guy that's been in the swamp for 25 or 30 years, but someone new and fresh that has ideas that coincide with the way this country was built, and it's just been awesome. That's why our Ronald well, Reagan dinner is, is going to be so much fun this year. Well, you guys, on December 30th over in Daytona Beach, Sally, it has been a pleasure. We're going to have to have you come back on, and hopefully Curtis will be oh, with us next so time. Oh, thanks so much. 
well, All right, God great, bless but you. I enjoyed me. I enjoyed Vito too. <laughs> bye, oh, bye. great meeting you. Thank you, Sally. Good luck with bye, your bye. dinner. Sally Kiss. Thank you. Thank you, you so much. And God bless. Take care, Sally. God bless. Sally Thank Kiss. you. Dear. She's got a, a thing up on um uh, event, right? Whatever it is for the Ronald Reagan dinner. If you're interested, you're in the Daytona Beach area. We got our last victim up on the studios. Uh, switchboard want to welcome back to the show the one the only Catherine Gorker as or as her husband calls her the first lady of America first good afternoon Catherine how are you today hey Annie I'm great how are you oh I am I'm I'm having a blast today this show has gone so fast I can't believe how fast it's gone I don't have my usual co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett with me but I have a fellow host he has his own show, Mamma Mia No Sharia, on Global Patriot Radio here. Vito Esposito, my Guido. Hi, <laughs> Catherine. It's a pleasure. Hey, Vito. Great to meet you. <laughs> nice to Man. meet you. Thank you for all you do. Thanks. Well, you with the Heritage Foundation serve as the director of the Fulner Institute Center for Civil Society and the American Dialogue. I managed to say that without flubbing it. I'm, I'm amazed. But your head has to be spinning with what has been going on since mid-July all through today with what's going on with Afghanistan and this administration. I mean, uh, it must be exploding. It's a killer. I mean, you know, it's interesting because these days I really focus on civics education and education and what's happening in the United States. But until a year and a half ago when I started at Heritage, my entire career was focused on national security. And I spent years working on the Islamist fight and terrorism. And I served under the Trump administration at the Department of Homeland Security working on these issues. So for me, it's a crusher, you know, to be watching and, and seeing what we've, what we've allowed. And it, 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 it alarms me, you know. There really was a point where I think many of us thought the jihadist threat was over. It was, it was at least on the back burner. Um, no more. We're hearing that, that members of al-Qaeda now are flocking to Afghanistan. They've got a safe haven again now. Man, uh, what was it? Um, who was it that called it the Club Med for the for Al Qaeda? Um, oh, that's a good one. You know, and, and it's true. It's true. And we already know since the '90s, of course, the southern border that we have had Islamic terrorists slipping in because they were finding, you know, Qurans and prayer rugs in the desert. And this was happening back in the 90s. Lord knows what's coming over today. Holy moly. And, and, and what's going to happen now? I mean, now that they're, they're able to create, again, a base of operations, a safe haven, they're not going to be distracted by, by the United States getting in there and, and, and fighting against them. So, you know, that, that's just like a perfect environment for them to start plotting again. So, you know, people should be alarmed. They really should oh. be. Now, I was going to ask uh, just one thing, Peter, just a second. Uh, okay. People don't realize that Hezbollah and a lot of these other Islamic terrorist groups would send their fighters over to Moscow to get trained. So there is a correlation between communism and radical Islam. 
And we see now a rise of socialism and communism in the United States. I think it's all interconnected. Interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And of course, you know, as you've already sort of hinted at, you know, our borders have become so porous. What's happening on the southern border, there is just no control whatsoever on who's coming into the country. Um, So that's going to be another big problem. Man, go ahead um, with your question. Going back to Afghanistan, I'd like to get your opinion on there's 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 an estimate that there are 10,000 Americans that are stranded in Afghanistan. Um, how do you think the Taliban will use them as leverage or um, will the landscape change? Or do, do you think that because some of these 10,000 assets are not just business people, they are government individuals if you get my drift. Oh, interesting. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely a real concern. Will they try to um, exploit people for intelligence purposes or as leverage, as bargaining chips? I think they'll do all those things. And then I think not, not least of our concern as well is the, the number of Christians who are over there, whether as missionaries or aid workers or just there out of the goodness of their hearts, um, we know the attitude of jihadists toward Christians. And I, I promise you we're going to be seeing videos of executions before long. And that is very, very scary. Very scary because I had friends that were uh, missionaries in the Wuhan province uh, back in 2019. So I knew back in October something was going on with a virus being released. Now, if little old me could know that back in October of 2019, why did it take our government to so long to admit to it? And, and to me, I... I, I I don't even know where to start when we go with that because I was making uh, my own masks and my own hand sanitizer back in December of 2019 and giving them away. But we've taken so long to respond to this. So I think it's everything is coordinated in one form or another. It, it was a reason to take down Donald Trump and install the weakest president we have ever seen in our entire history. Yeah, you you have to really wonder, you know, that what are the different forces behind it and I and I, and I think China is just in all respects alarming. Um and 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 we know some of the many many ways that they're operating in this country whether it's stealing our intellectual property or infiltrating our research labs um with their Confucius Institutes trying to propagandize on our universities. Um, I just there's there's nothing they won't do, uh, so you have to really wonder. Um, you know the hold that they have over the Biden family should be alarming to everyone. For the Biden <laughs> family, the McConnells, you can go down a whole list of people that they have their claws into. You know, and now we we're dealing with this critical race theory that's being taught in our schools. And I made sure I had contacted my school board superintendent, who I know, asking him. I contacted my school board uh, representative and saying, you know, is critical race theory being taught in our school district? And they said to a person, no, 
and then I find that one of the schools in the district managed to slip it in. But these are things that you work to fight against, and we're seeing a rise of the mommies fighting for liberty. Oh, it's it's so encouraging. I mean, you know, on the one hand, I feel like we have never faced an internal enemy as as frightening and as formidable as what we're facing today. But at the same time, I think you're seeing an uprising in this country that we're going to look back on and 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 we're going to think of this as another great awakening because you know, I have never seen the level of of citizen activism as I've seen now, um, it, you know, sometimes uh, there there are critics on the left who who will try to paint this as as astroturf and that these are um, national organizations that are spurring this. But I can tell you from inside of a national organization, that is absolutely not the case. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of groups that have emerged. I'll just give you one example. There's a great group down in Florida called Moms for Liberty. This was started by two moms who had been school board members, and they wanted to help train other parents how to keep an eye on your school board, how to hold them accountable. They started their organization in January, and they only, their only aspiration was to be a local organization in Florida. Well, today... Moms for Liberty has 65 chapters across the country. That's in eight months' time. That's an explosion, and that happened all by itself. Matter of fact, I found that there was one here in the town I live in. Now, I still run a tea party. Believe it or not, since 2009, I have kept it going. And I reached out to them for the local chapter here in my town to say, hey, listen, we need to start working together. I didn't know you existed. Maybe you don't know I do. Let's, let's see what we can do to work together. Because a number of years ago, we turned our school board over. We got rid of the school superintendent. We got someone in here who was originally in Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, and he's now here with us and is doing a marvelous job. And we've turned over members in the school board, not all of them yet, We're working on it. Now we're going to go after county council. But politics is local. It starts at the local level, and that's where you can have your best influence because as these people rise up through the political food chain, they will end up being your representative or your senator or possibly president. So you've got to get in there now to influence them. Am I looking at this right or wrong? Oh, no, you're so right. You know, somebody told me once that that there was a time when the Republicans recognized the importance of school board members, and then we kind of dropped it for some reason, and the Democrats never did. And so that's why you see, for example, where I live, Fairfax County, we have a, we have the 10th largest school district in the country. We have a 12-person uh, member school board, 12 Democrats. We do not have a single Republican on that school board. And, and I think this is one of the things, this is one of the many things that conservatives have woken up to. We cannot turn our backs on these positions. And I think you've identified one of the really important reasons. It's, it's not just because they help control the schools, and that's critical, but it's also because that's the, like a test tube for developing people to go into bigger and better offices in politics. Um, it's a great way for a lot of people to get a taste of local politics and then to get some training and to move on to other positions. So it's a really important feeder route for other political positions. 
Well, what people don't realize, Karl Marx recognized this, Hitler recognized this. You get the kids. You get control of the kids. You indoctrinate them, and then you can control the rest of society, which is what our school system has been doing. And, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s when I started sex ed, you know, as a kid, I realized that something was going on. And now we see this transgender, LBGTQ, XYZ uh, indoctrination in our children and the explosion of transgenderism among girls where it never existed before. The indoctrination in the teaching these kids, not teaching us the founding values or documents, but all of this liberal BS. And these kids are coming out they're not looking at America as if we're good anymore. I know. It's it's really upsetting. It is. But it's interesting because I, I, I think that for as many parents as you have who are upset about critical race theory, I think you've got just as many who are upset because of the hyper-sexualized content or the, you know, the LGBT, transgenderism, all that. Parents recognize in their core that this is not healthy, this is not good for their children, and, and it's motivating them to fight against it. I mean, I, and I have to say, I think one of the other issues that's been a real eye-opener is parents have started reading the books that their kids are reading, and some of this literature, quote, literature, that's making it into the schools, into the classroom, it's pornographic. I don't know if you saw the, the great... Um, a YouTube video, Patty Menders, um, just a really brave woman in Loudoun County, held up these placards in her school board meeting where she had printed some of the language from her kids' books. It was appalling. It all had to get bleeped out because it was so obscene. And I tell you what, if parents don't fight it, nobody's going to fight it. No. Catherine, it's not just... I've... Go, Go ahead, Vito. I'm sorry. I was well, going to say, I have not a just question parents. But it's got to be everyone else has to stand by those parents and back them up. Go ahead, Vita. I'm, I'm, it's funny you bring this up because I was reading a, a, a past article of yours, September 2020, how the 60, 1960s riots foreshadowed today's communist weaponization of, of black pain. And you talked about how the, the Marxist movement is to infiltrate the grassroots and and how they have corrupted that system, but they embed themselves in the grassroots movement, i.e. Um, school boards and and, and local um, uh, municipalities, and now they have co-opted this entire you know the entire government movement and narrative. Yeah, that I have to say that that article to me is one of my. Favorites, and I think it was one of the most important because, you know, I wrote it at the time when all of the Black Lives Matter movement was going on, and I happened to go back and pick up a book um, that that I'd had sitting on my shelf for a long time. It was a um, a, he was a Reader's Digest journalist who ended up doing research on why were there riots going on around the United States in the 60s. His editor asked him. Um, to to uncover this and and get to the bottom of it, and he found that the groups like SDS, these these communist student groups, um, were infiltrating and going into places like Newark, New Jersey. They were there for three years, 
laying the groundwork, stoking grievances, stoking anti-police attitudes amongst the African Americans, so that by the time those events, by the time those cities erupted into violence and riots in 67, they had been doing so much groundwork. And I think that's a lot of what we saw here uh, back last summer. I think it, a lot of it was manufactured. People think it's spontaneous. I'm not so sure. I, I think that there's all kinds of stuff going on but behind the scenes. You know, we've seen the precedent in history, and I think it's being done again. Without I, a doubt, I the parallels agree. are incredible. The parallels are incredible yeah. between 67 and what we've seen, what we've seen in uh, 2020. It's, you, you, your article was fantastic. Thanks. And I think it's also interesting. It's, it's not just the parallels, but it's actually the direct connection between people who are leaders in Black Lives Matter today being trained by the, the gr- terrorist groups from that time, like the Weather Underground. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. My, my colleague, Mike Gonzalez at the Heritage Foundation, who's done such good work on this, has a book coming out on Black Lives Matter this fall. And I think it's going to be great because he's going to be talking more about those ties. There is a direct line from the radicalism and the terrorism of the 60s to what's going on today. I completely agree. And you probably can even make ties directly to Moscow and Beijing. If you look to see who is actually fueling it because they say, all right, fine. These are the talking points. This is how you train them because it's all all interconnected. I said this with Antifa. Why was there such a similarity between um, Al-Qaeda, the uniforms, and Antifa? Why do they look so eerily similar? And when they first attacked um, Berkeley University several years ago, the first thing that went through my mind was Kristallnacht. And later on, I heard a news broadcaster saying Kristallnacht. And I, I there is a direct correlation and tie. This is all orchestrated, and I truly do believe that. And I look forward to uh, uh, seeing Mike Gonzalez's book. So you know, I have to talk to Tom and make sure I get him on here too so we can help hawk his book. Yeah, he'll, that'll be out. I think it comes out on September 8th. So actually it's, it's imminent. Ooh, ooh, right around the corner, right yeah. around the corner. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. You know, I <laughs> Another question for Catherine. Um, with regards to the article, you do mention the, uh, the you, it says which can be traced directly to the terrorists of the Weather Underground. Um, and I, I, I certainly don't want to sound conspiratorial, but the fact that Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, who were two essential um, members of the Weather Underground, launched the career of one Barack Hussein Obama, um, the unrest that we're seeing the 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 stoking of of racial uh divide um it's a it's is it a coincidence it started in 2000 well sorry it, it was provoked in 2009 yeah i i no i i i think it's it's important that that they're involved i mean when you think about the 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 horrific acts that they did um the the bombings the the terrorism um and you know, it's interesting. My, my husband often makes this point. He'll say, you know, they, they might have failed as terrorists in the short term, but then what did they do? They didn't go to prison. They went into schools, and they went and they got professorships. 
um, and and went to work on corrupting the next generation. And you know, it's it's I, I don't want to be I don't want to be overly conspiratorial. And and you know, I I think we always fight against this is human nature. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's it, it's a tendency in human nature to think that one knows better, to think that one knows best what's good for other people and to want to exercise that power. And I think for those of us who keep ourselves from doing that, it's because we've studied the history of Western civilization. We know the tyranny that that leads to. And so we restrain ourselves, and it's why we uphold the principles of small government and, and, you know, sort of restraining power, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's hard. I think I think people like Bernadine Dorn and, and Bill Ayers, um, they, what they triggered was something that's inherent in human nature, um, but they did at the same time have a network of people. They had all been working together in the weather underground, and you can see now the fruits of that in some of the leadership of Black Lives Matter and in the tactics and in the language that's used by Black Lives Matter. There's so many parallels. It's 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 really I think it's really interesting. It is. It is. Plus they've infiltrated places like Hollywood. I mean, name me a single movie or TV show or anything that's being produced out of Hollywood that does not get pre-approval from communist China. You also wrote a great article back in January um, about marginalized voices. Um, And I have to laugh because I used to do community theater. I mean, I was a few years ago. Um, My last role, I played Laura in The Glass Menagerie. But I walked away because I saw how liberal the thinking was, and heaven forbid you expressed a conservative thought at that time. And I said, I can't live in this world. I cannot work or live in this world. And I've had the pleasure of dealing with a lot of now people that are independent, such like uh, I recently interviewed Kevin Sorbo. Um, I've interviewed in the past Bettina Viviano, uh, Jack Marino, Daphne Barak, Bill Ganaspi. They have to step outside in order to do their productions, they no longer can operate within that. So I think we're being attacked on multiple fronts, but it's a coordinated attack. Yeah, I mean, that it's one of my favorite subjects, too, just because, you know, I grew up reading books, and I loved books, and I love movies, and it's like I can't hardly read anything anymore. It's all become propaganda, and, and so much of the television and movies are propaganda. And I think this was one of the other huge mistakes that we made, is that conservatives kind of turned their backs on Hollywood. I mean, there was a time when there was at least more of a balance. You know, when you think about Reagan being head of the Actors Union and, and kind of there there was something of a balance, and now it's it's gone completely to the left. And for for reasons that I don't understand, conservatives don't invest in the culture. We don't invest in theater. We don't invest in films. Uh, there's a handful of voices that, that are really articulate on this. I mean, Andrew Clavin, I think, is out there in front. Mm-hmm. He's great on this. Larry O'Connor, um, I don't know if you know Larry, but but he's a, a great radio host on WMAL, and he came out of the theater world, and he was worked with Andrew Breitbart and helped 
um, start the website Big Hollywood that eventually rolled into Breitbart. Um, he's great on this subject, but I think it's one of the things that as conservatives we all need to be pushing for. We need to be pushing for investment in the culture, and we need to be supporting the culture and those conservatives who we know who are in the culture. Yeah, we have to take it back so we can get our message out because they're doing one heck of a job and we're really falling down. But, Catherine, people can find you at heritage.org. Um, I want to thank you for uh, asking to come on the show to begin with. I was flattered. Uh, but, you know, you're welcome anytime. We love you. Great. Thanks, Annie. I love talking with you, too. Thanks, Vito. Oh, man, it's been a All pleasure right. and an honor. Thank you. All right, you have a great weekend, and God bless you for the hard work you and your husband do. You are the first lady of America first. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Bye. <laughs> Take Bye. care. Right. Catherine Gorka. All right, uh, you know, um, I almost called you Curtis. <laughs> I'll answer anything. <laughs> That's an honor too. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Believe me, this has been a this has been an absolute treat and some great guests, Annie. Just beautiful. Well, we're going to have next week. We're going to have uh, Benjamin uh, Smith, uh, former um, special ops. Uh, on, we're going to be talking about Afghanistan next week. We'll also have Lieutenant Colonel Sargis, uh, who also served over there. Um, so we're going to have a fantastic show next week. Uh, we also have guests already lining up for two weeks from now. So we're back. We're, we're on, hitting the road running. So I want to thank everyone that joined us in the chat room here on Blog Talk over there at Global Internet, uh, Global Entertainment Radio, uh, global. If I can get this right, Global Enlightenment Radio. Joy, I'll, I'll get it right. <laughs> Over at Facebook and YouTube and all the other places on iHeart Radio. I was surprised when I found myself up in iHeart. Woo! I made it big time. Beautiful. What, anyway, anyway, that's all we got for today. Vito, you're going to be back on on Monday, correct? Yes, Monday at 6 o'clock on, on uh, Block Talk Radio, Global Patriot Radio, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, I'll leave everyone with my friend's song, Gary Pecorella, Save America. So until then, I say good night and God bless. <laughs>